I do love how we are 21 episodes in and we spend the first five minutes setting up our audio each time. All right, maybe for people who didn't have the opportunity to hear us, our pre-show, since we did not record it, maybe we should just mention that we are recording from a new room. So if there's anything strange with audio, that's probably why. It should be pretty much the same as before. But um, if you notice a difference, um, write a message and let us know if this is terrible. Or, Kai, can you stop making all those noises while I'm trying to say this? Um, are you trying to get our uh, listener engagement numbers up by saying, send us a feedback if you hear annoying noises in the background? Or if you think the audio quality is really bad today, please send all feedback to Kai. So at the moment we have uh, this table. I mentioned earlier that we have too many iMacs in this room. Um, it's not that many. It's just the two, one new one and one refurbished. Um, just because I'm in the process of figuring out which one to keep and which one to send back to Apple. One thing that's weird, which is very frustrating since I'm sitting very close to them right now, is that one of them is slightly like taller than the other one. It's like probably like three or four millimeters. It's like higher. Like, I don't know if it's the stand or it must be the stand because it wouldn't be the screen, but like the stand itself is just three millimeter higher. It's very strange. It would be really unfortunate if this is the way you found out your apartment was slanted. No, it wouldn't be that defect. No, they're they're so close next to each other. Yeah. <laughs> that would literally mean the table would have to be uh, have a step in the middle. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's very frustrating to look at, but never seen that before. Overall, I'm. It's really difficult, especially now with having the two next to each other. I do notice differences in the two in the panel. Between the new one and the refurbished one I got. I would have never noticed that if I wouldn't have both of them next to each other. But I have a slight preference for the new one. However, after um, uh, I got the refurbished one a day later or two days after the new one. And I've been in the process of moving all the things over. Because I uh, initially intended to just keep the refurbished one. And then I... Uh, noticed the screen issues and I was kind of conflicted again. Should I keep the new one or the old one? And today the, the new one, I, I keep calling them new and, new and refurbished just to, uh, make clear which one is which. The new one now started making clicking noises. I, and I, I don't really know what's happening. I think probably it's the fan, but it is kind of weird. It, it sounded almost like there's an old hard drive spinning in this room. Um, yeah, so now I, I definitely can keep the new one. And the old one has the slightly, I guess, less uniform uh, uh, 5K panel. So now I'm conflicted again, Zach. This sounds very much like a Kai problem. <laughs> <laughs> so what, why don't you start by saying what you got? What, what are the two models in front of you? Uh, they're almost identical. I got the... I started off with the base configuration because my mindset is still... Um, at some point in the near future, Apple will update the iMac or the iMac Pro. And if that day happens, I'll just get a new one, uh, new one of those. And at least in my mind at the moment, the one I, the ones I have here are kind of bridging the gap until that day comes. 
Um, so uh, I started off with a base configuration, and by the t- when the day I looked for for the iMacs, basically all the uh, refurbished iMacs that were um, having SSDs were sold out. So I thought, all right, I just go buy- go ahead and buy a new one. So I ordered that one base configuration and upgraded the SSD to a 512 gig SSD and ordered uh, another 16 gigs of RAM from uh, Amazon. Because obviously in the 2017 uh, iMac you can, or in the 27 inch uh, model at least, you can still replace the the RAM yourself. So I figured now when I still have the chance, I should do that. So I ordered that one, uh, wrote myself this uh, a nice little script that would check whether uh, the refurbished model would come in stock. And then two days later, I got a notification that the refurbished model is in stock. It would be the same price. But comes with 16 gigs of RAM instead of uh, 8 gigs of RAM. I was like, okay, that means I would, instead of upgrading with the 16 gig set that I bought to 24, I would get to 32 for essentially the same price. I mean, it was like a few, I think it was $50 cheaper or something. So then I ordered that one. So now I have uh, two iMacs, one with 8 gig, one with 16 gig RAM, plus the 16. I can add to either of them. I tried them in both of them already. F- 512 gigabyte SSD, 3.4 gigahertz uh, CPU, and the base uh, Pro 570 GPU. Is this the 2017 model? Of course, it's a 2017 model. Okay, so you have two pretty good computers in front of you. Yeah. And then there's my MacBook Pro, also in front of us. <laughs> so it's pretty cramped there. Would you say that's a good computer? <laughs> no, that's why I said, and then there. <laughs> Sounds like you've got a. Do these do these computers even fit in your little office? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I I think this is not too small of an office. We might be able to record with you in here. <laughs> yeah, if if we only had like a spare iMac that you could use next time. <laughs> now, if only we all had twelve inch MacBooks, that could work. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should just try with iPads instead. Okay, that's the show this week. Apart from the uh, my panel. I mean, that is mostly, as you said, it's a Kai issue. Uh, I'll, I'll probably get over it. I probably just end up keeping the refurbished one. Also, that's I f- what I think you should do. I, I also feel like, um, I mean, I will also order a stand. So it mostly happens if you look from, because at the moment, I don't know, IMAX by default are quite low. So it's quite hard to, um, uh, to have a comfortable seating arrangement with an IMAX without a stand. So I already, but therefore, it has a really sleek design, and it's perfectly looking to look at. I mean, uh, I actually don't mind that. Uh, I I rather get a stand that works for me and have like a solid solid I device. I don't know. It's just that I haven't seen like a person who works on an iMac uh, eight hours a day who does not have a stand or shoeboxes or phone catalogs under it. You absolutely have to. It's uh, for ergonomic reasons. But I- I see that for almost everyone. Everyone gets some weird... People do it for their MacBooks. People do it for all kinds of screens. Like, if you look at the LG Ultrafine, it has a height-adjustable stand, but then it's kind of flimsy and feels cheap. I don't mind that. I I now get myself a stand that is... uh, It's the high-rise iMac... High-rise Pro iMac stand. I forgot what the name is. I can look it up if you really care. Um... But it's also nice. It has kind of this magnetic opening in front, so you can put some extra things in there. So I have a bit more storage on on my table too. So I don't I don't really mind having just buying the stand that I think fits my requirements. Did you order this already? The stand? Yeah, yeah, I did. Are you sure we didn't don't have one of those already? Hmm. 
No, I'm not sure. We might still have to open one. But this one is nicer. It has, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it has like in the front, it kind of has like a material that makes it uh, not bare metal. So you can put your phone on there without scratching your phone, which is pretty nice. And it ha- the cover now is not just in the Mac Pro style. It's kind of more, it looked like the cheese grater style before. And now it's kind of a bit more, more modern of a look and one side is like a warm walnut color like a warm walnut tree color the other side is like a um space gray metal so it looks it looks nicer uh it has um access points in the back so if you have like an ssd or something that you have as an external ssd you can connect it all uh behind the mac so it doesn't clutter your table so i feel like it, it's it's fine it, it looks nice uh, i'm we might find one and then I don't know if by the t- by the time you get your iMac you can you can take that stand. You as in me? No, you as in I the general you yeah. anyone could have that as a stand. That's what I thought you were referring to. Cool. Man, did I forget how much I love iMacs. I I don't know. I feel like I've been more negative on the podcast over the last few uh episodes, months, I don't know. And I wonder if that all comes down to not having had an iMac for so long. I'm I'm so much more positive about uh, computing again. I'm I'm enjoying development uh, development a lot more. Everything is so much better now. Um, this particular model, the the 2017 iMac is. I mean, the 2015 was pretty nice, and 2014 before that. But the, my one complaint with the 2014 and 15 panels were that they weren't uh, bright enough. They were quite dim i would say um so the the panel on this one is way brighter you can i mean i used to have them almost always at full brightness now now they're kind of hovering around half halfway and if i need to make them brighter i can um the 2015 i had with the um uh with a four gigahertz uh gp uh, cpu so it quite often got loud whenever I pushed it, especially the GPU was incredibly, um, getting incredibly hot. I mean, that l- led to, uh, led to eventually my iMac failing because the GPU died. Um, so that wasn't great. And now I've done some, some, I, I tried to push it. So I had like a game running and ran like benchmarks in the background while the game was running. And I, I, I just couldn't get the fan over idle speed. Like I since since I got this this computer, I've not once seen it the the fan speed to go over idle. I don't know how you can make this Mac warm. Um, so that's super super exciting somehow. Uh, it's not, I don't hear background tasks anymore, which is nice. It it's just with especially with the MacBook over the last few months. Yeah. Whenever and if you actually monitor all your tasks, uh, you don't have any memory swapping. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, but it's also just I, I heard background tasks, which just felt kind of weird. Like every time a backup would start, I would hear that. Like I would have audio audio feedback for back uh, for my backup to start, just because yeah, the fans. Yeah, You always know when your latest backup happened. Yeah, but it's just every time it's like fans kick in whenever the thing did anything, and this time around I I I didn't even like. I, when I installed everything and logged into my iCloud account, it and I have this iMac configured to have all the original pictures, downloaded all the pictures, um, and did like the photo analysis on it. And CPU usage was at something around 150% for the entire time. 
and fan was at idle speed. It's it's so good. I really really enjoy that. I I think just, I mean that was the reason why I wanted, why I was on my wish list for the last f- a few other drafts. I had the new killing system, but this is pretty decent. I mean it might be different if you get like a uh, the i seven CPU and the the bigger GPU in this in this enclosure, but the base configuration, it's great. It's it's really good. Doesn't make any noises so far. I'm surprised you're advocating for a base configuration Mac. That's uh, something I never expected. <laughs> yeah, yeah, neither did I. <laughs> um, I mean, I, that also means I'm almost certainly not going to go for the base configuration when the new one comes out. But so far... You said it certainly means you're not going to. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you're missing fan noise? N- no, I, I just know myself. I mean, now I I kind of... for Because I knew this is at least at this point, who knows if I might keep this one for a while, but um, in my mind, it was kind of, I need to bridge the gap for at most a year, so let's rather get a base configuration, because if I spec this one up to, like, the the i7 and the, the uh, 580 uh, GPU, and um, then, first of all, you, you won't recoup that if you sell that computer, because uh, on on, like, used computers... The, the upgrades do not pay as well as they do uh, as as in comparison to what you pay for Apple to to put them in. So I figured the base configuration usually has a better resale value. And realistically, um, I I don't think for my tasks I anticipate for the next few months. I would have enough of a benefit if I would say I want to keep this computer for years. Then I think even if you don't benefit from it today, you might in in a year or two. Um, so it makes sense to have a bit more headroom. But for this, I, I'm I'm 100 happy with that decision. But I think it's different, right? If you buy something for a year versus potentially keeping something for for two, three, four years. I mean, I had my my old iMac for for four years. Um, a- apart from it being replaced a few times for for heat death reasons. But I mean, it's not that I deliberately decided to buy a new computer. It was just that Apple couldn't get it fixed and then they replaced it with a new model. You make it sound like something sketchy is going on here. <laughs> I promise, I didn't, I didn't tamper with anything. It, it, it just happened. I, I didn't need a new computer. <laughs> I mean, I, I was intrigued, of course. I mean, it was it was difficult for me to see it after buying a 2014 iMac that 2015 came out and I had a wider color spectrum and uh that um that it had a slightly improved cpu and gpu configuration i did struggle not upgrading but i was fine um but yeah it would it still lasted like uh, apart from the announcement i i didn't didn't regret not upgrading it was such a good computer but so far the 2017 is all of that plus being better in a lot of aspects and the the base configuration 2017 is actually faster than the maxed out 2014 uh and even i think even faster in anything but cpu than the max out 2015 so it is it is it is a pretty cool computer and it has usb a and usb c uh which i didn't realize i thought you only need one port what <laughs> it has usb c yeah yeah, it has the same I port configuration. I didn't know that either. Yeah, it's it's so good. It wow. has the same port configuration as the iMac Pro apart from the Ethernet. It's uh, one gig instead okay. of 10. That's pretty good. 
I know, it's yeah, so you're good. You're making sex change his mind now. It's like, maybe I should get No, it. no, 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 no. I'm not getting an iMac. <laughs> Fake computer. It's almost as bad as an iPad. <laughs> um, yeah, but I'm, I'm, oh man, I'm, I'm such a huge iMac fan. Um, it is, it is such an enjoyable computer. It's so much fun to look at. It's so much fun to use. It's so nice to have all this, this space for, for so many things. It's so nice. If you work in Xcode, you can actually see a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, if I work on, on the back end and, f- and uh, on um, the iOS app at the same time, I can have Xcode open and whatever backend IDEs without running out of RAM. It's uh, it's when I do during the edit for the podcast, I can see so much more of the timeline and everything feels so much nicer and faster and uh, encoding the MP3. So, so much quicker. Everything is just nice. Having, having Ethernet, I really enjoy that. Never having to even like, what I used to do is whenever a website, if if I try to go to a website and it wouldn't load, I would always assume something went wrong with the Wi-Fi. I mean, it has been super reliable, but we're still on one of those um, late last generation airport extremes. And I do expect that one to die some at some point. I mean, it already has problems with our ISP here and the way our ISP... Um, the way they're assigning IPv6 addresses, so the okay. the airport just doesn't support that that protocol. Um, and I just feel, I mean, when did we buy that? We bought that, I think, in the first week when we moved to Australia, because uh, back then we moved into a house with and and we shared a house with another couple, and they had this really really dodgy old Wi-Fi thing. I was like, I can't live like that. So I bought an output extreme basically in the first week because the Wi-Fi was incredibly flaky. They were also on a random rant about Australian internet. They were on a five gigabyte per month plan. We didn't notice. We we <laughs> thought they had unlimited. That was that we're was... like we we're just gonna update everything we own. So let's do that now. Like we we did backups of everything. We were updating all of our Macs and all of our iOS hard drive um, software. How yeah. many weeks until you hit the five gig limit, though? Because it wouldn't it be very like fast. Two hours. <laughs> Wait, no. you can download five gigs in two hours on Australian internet? It must have been pretty good. <laughs> I mean, it was. I think it was as quick as you could potentially. I don't remember what it was. I think it was a six megabit line. So, however long it takes on six, six megabit to to blow through five gigabytes, <laughs> that's how long it took. Because we were before that, we were living in a, a hostel while looking for a place to stay, like a more permanent uh, place to stay. So we didn't update any of our devices. Um, so then, as soon as we got there, I, I plugged in my I plugged in my Mac Mini, and that one was still configured. Because in Europe, you would never have data quotas on your home lines. That's just another thing that I don't remember when the last time, maybe the first internet line I've ever had had a quota, but then then everything went unlimited basically after a year or two when they realized, well, data isn't actually, like more, more download quota doesn't actually cost us anything. So let's just offer unlimited um, and, and get people to pay more for speed. Um, so I just didn't know that data quotas on landlines or on on um on home internet access was a thing so we just blew through all of that and technically they sold it as an unlimited line which means it was unlimited as in after five gigs of full speed which was still six megabit which was about uh 
I don't even remember. I think we we moved from when we moved from Sweden to Australia, we went down from a gigabit line, a symmetrical gigabit line to a six down, one up on a sunny day and half a megabit down and <laughs> I don't know, a kilobyte every every two minutes up on a rainy day, sometimes completely dropping out when it was raining. You could. It was so annoying. Every time it was. Apologies on behalf of this. <laughs> Our internet is definitely subpar. Yeah, but that's. I still ha- remember the the days of a two hundred megabit megabyte limit per month. <laughs> I, I got in a bit of trouble from Dad because I used one hundred and twenty megabytes in one day, and our, our cap was two hundred. That is and, so um, When was yeah, like how long ago was this? Lastly, like last Monday, ten to twelve years ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, but but it, it wasn't was, too like it's not too long ago. But it was just insane because I, I don't know. I, I first of all, I didn't expect that to be a thing. Then also, we moved to Australia because we wanted to flee the bad weather in Europe, in in northern Sweden, right? So uh, every time it was rain, most days when it was sunny and warm, we were outside anyway because we had so much vitamin D three to catch up on from not seeing the sun in a few months. Um, but then every time it rained and we wouldn't go out, you had nothing to do. I was like, what What do people do in Australia when it rains if you don't have internet at home? It was such a weird thing. So that's when I realized why piracy is such a big thing in Australia. You have to download everything for the day when it does rain. Um, yeah, so that was that was kind of the shock coming from, from a symmetrical gigabit line to whatever that was in Australia. And that was also one of those, um, that was during a time when, when the government changed in Australia. So there were plans for NBN. And that area that we were living in, when when we moved in, I looked, all right, MBN is now at the horizon. It should be rolled out in the next two or three months. And it literally made it until two streets away from us. So that's why uh, Telstra, the 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 biggest ISP in um, in Australia, uh, they have refused to fix the, the copper lines there because they said that the NBN upgrade is imminent. So they didn't want to invest in fixing the copper. But then it was in a limbo because the government changed for, I don't know, a year of the time we lived there. So the ETA was pushed out uh, further and further. Um, don't you mean it changed every year that you lived here? <laughs> <laughs> but for that particular place, <laughs> it, it changed basi- I, because I checked uh, basically every week what the new ETA is for rolling out fiber there. And then... I still have to check every week who the Prime Minister is, but carry on. <laughs> yeah, they, they changed uh, almost as frequently as the ETA for fiber. Um, and and then by the time we, we moved away from there, we actually moved for... Uh, one of the major reasons for me was fast internet. So we after that, we moved to a place that had fiber. It was one of the f- first places that had fiber in, in Perth. So I'm glad that you're enjoying your iMac. <laughs> yep. With uh, its fast internet and zero ping, as you politely pointed out to me when you sent a, a speed test the other day. Funny enough, at the moment, the Ethernet uh, cable is plugged into the iMac we're not using for this recording. So I uh, completely failed my my initial recording on this computer. <laughs> Complete failure. It's all right. You'll get there. As long as the people can hear us, that's what counts. Yeah. <laughs> Question if did they want to hear all that? This this rant about Australia is gonna scare everyone away, Kai. Mm. You should come people, to Australia. Our yeah. internet is better now and we have nice beaches and actually quite good weather today. 
That's so true. come today. No, don't come today. That would be creepy. Um, <laughs> it would also it <laughs> so would work. Mean, like most people would live at least twenty four hours away, right? Mm, yeah. I, yeah. I'm I'm so happy that you have that it's uh, good weather today, so you actually have internet. <laughs> There was a period of time where it would have been faster for me to for for files above about like twenty gigs or something. It would have been faster for me to drive to uni, get out my laptop, download stuff, drive back home than it would have been to wait at home. Yeah, we had that. Those I, days are past. I needed to send something to uh, my mother during the f uh, first few months that I was, I don't remember what it was, but it was something that was like 20 gigabytes or something. Must have been like a larger video or something. I don't remember what it was exactly. And we actually calculated that it would be faster to post it than to like just oh, wow. send it in a, in a parcel, in an express parcel. It would be a faster data rate than uploading it on that less than a megabit upload link I had. So I did the same thing. I went to I went to university and even our university had throttled internet access, but only if you used a um EduRoam uh account from that university. But because I uh was enrolled in three universities at the same time to get my degree faster, um I realized that sounds sketchy too. <laughs> This week in, in not at all. No, no, that's completely normal. <laughs> I'm enrolled in 16 universities. That's fine. Uh, I yeah. Last time we were conspiracy podcast. This time we're a sketchy activity podcast. Anyway, it's how to remains within the bounds of the law. It's fine. Please don't take my degree off me. Please, please, please. <laughs> <laughs> um. Where was I? Ah, yeah. So I, if I used any of their EduRoam accounts, it was unlimited at that university. So I could actually get unlimited uh, speed with a foreign EduRoam account at the university. And I used that to upload files. Okay. That's one of the amazing things about Australia, right? As soon as, as, soon as anyone from overseas is involved, whatever it is, is much higher quality. <laughs> like this applies to everything. But if, if a tourist or there's a chance of somebody from overseas you know, going to a place or doing a thing, then the quality of it is amazing. It's not like that university had a really bad connection. It They did have like a 10 gig, 100 gig, I don't know, uh, backbone. They had a pretty decent backbone. It's just that for students, they, they throttle like crazy while the European um, policies were just as fast as you can go. Yeah, I feel like I, I kind of understand maybe throttling during the day if speed started to crawl, but after hours... You know, just let everyone go crazy. Like, what's the matter? You've got the capacity. But it's also, I mean, Wi-Fi does that anyway. If there is too much, too much load on a node, it's just, it will go slower. It's not really that you need to. Yeah. But like to try and discourage, say, if you, say, if you were someone downloading hundreds of movies for perfectly legitimate reasons, <laughs> um, to, to discourage that behavior during certain times of day, maybe. But I mean, if you have a hundred, gig or or more backbone i mean how many students do you have to download with i mean if you have a thousand students and they you know if they all download movies you still have enough bandwidth to to serve everything else i mean it's really hard to to clock something like that Unless you you literally down trying to download every single movie on the planet. If if you have the infrastructure, bandwidth is not expensive. I'm a little bit worried about Australian uh, 
internet speeds, particularly around the home at the moment, because everything, I, and I know that this this has been a thing in other countries for a while, but everything's going to digital streaming. And now uh, this week there was a soft launch of KO Sports, which is if, uh, basically a, a an online streaming service for sports developed by uh, Fox Sports, who's like our, uh, I guess, pay TV premium sport provider thingamabob why um, would anyone I, pick the anyway, name ko that sounds like the uh, worst it possible like, a bo- like it's only gonna like show boxing. ko like uh it's spelled k-a-y-o but i think it's meant to be said like ko is in like knockout punch like boxing so it's meant to be a sport reference yeah but, the, but it's not the, the boxing no it's everything obviously. but point like point is now everything's going more and more streaming it's going to be huge uh just been mentioning it to everyone basically this week and everyone's excited yeah, because boxing is very popular in australia so, <laughs> so everyone will go there i hope to watch it uh, but i mean if you suddenly have uh if you suddenly have two of these streams going at home on like a friday night say and someone else is streaming netflix yeah. and like, someone else is downloading stuff like suddenly people and a lot of people are only on like a 30 megabit uh, download yeah. connection like suddenly that is choked no no yeah this this is definitely noticeable we lived in apartments and you'd really notice mm. from like 6 p.m you couldn't really watch anything on netflix because that's pretty much where everyone started watching netflix until like 11 p.m so it's, it was really difficult if you want to watch something but that was even with nbn yeah yeah because nbn has has issues but. so that was just that they yeah just the pricing model was in a way that that uh, provisioning enough bandwidth during peak hours was barely feasible for for the providers or the yeah. RSPs. Um, it is better now. It, it, they uh, decreased the prices so for the um, for the ISPs. So it's slightly better, uh, and there's less throttling going on. But it's still our internet basically can't handle it. And now you throw something like this into the mix, and this was one of the the main reasons people had pay TV and had pay. Um, yeah, it pay, paid for Foxtel, which is the, the like streaming service. But do you think people really will move over to the streaming server then, or will they maybe just not start using KO? People will absolutely move over to this. If you were subscribed, so if you were previously if you were subscribing to Foxtel, which is cable TV, uh, you're looking at like I think at least fifty five to sixty dollars a month for like a base plan that includes the sport package. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people. And one of the reasons they did that is because they know a lot of people subscribe to just just for the sport packages, so they don't make that the base plan. They make it an add-on to the base plan, so that you're you're not paying just thirty five dollars a month. You're paying sixty or whatever. Anyway, this is only twenty five bucks a month, and you can stream on two devices at once for that twenty five, I think. And if you want up to three streams, you can pay thirty five dollars a month. And this is going to be everywhere, so it's going to be online. It's going to be on the Apple TV, on your iPhone, you. Mac, your Android phone, all that stuff. Um, so I think this is going to be huge for people who only care about sport. And there's a lot of people who only have pay TV for sport. But I am slightly worried to throw another streaming service into the mix. I mean, Netflix has already impacted. Uh, as you mentioned, you notice that the internet slows down to a crawl between about 7 and 11 p.m. because everyone's streaming their Netflix. And now you throw this in and you have... I mean, it's, it's only an HD stream, but... You know, another another few megabits per second on top of that, and suddenly bandwidth is uh, is at a minimum. So anyway, sorry, I know that you're trying to uh, make another point, but I was just wondering, uh, did you say they have a Mac app? Uh, you can watch on your Mac. I don't know if they have a Mac app as such. Uh, Probably not. Be able to watch online. Okay, they, I was they like, support well, like really, really all the thinking. things. They support 
Mac and PC, so I'm guessing that's just in a browser. They can have mobile and tablet apps, Chromecast, uh, Telstra TV, which is a um, like a, a streaming box from one of the major ISPs here, um, as well as an Android app. So that's it's pretty cool. Do they do they only show Australian sports or real ones as well? They show over fifty sports live and on demand. So I'm going to assume there's others. So it's probably uh, football, rugby, rugby, rugby. They said that they have NBA, NBL, NFL. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. They, yeah, it's actually really good. I'm super excited. MotoGP, Wimbledon, and it goes uh, up to 1080p or. 1080, yeah. It's not 4K because, again, well, Foxtel, the the company behind this, they do have a 4K offering, but they're keeping that for their uh, their pay TV service exclusively at the moment. So, it is... If uh, you, not if, that many Australian households can stream 4K in, uh, in this current state of the internet. So, if you do subscribe, you can then use their 4K online streaming? No, no, no. So, the, the 4K... So, that's only for for the TV stuff? Right. Yeah, you have to pay for cable. Okay. Uh, in order to get the 4K stream. All right. And that's more on top of the base plan anyway. All right. But I think this is uh, this is perfectly reasonable, like 25 bucks a month, and you can watch all those sports. Um, I'm super excited about this. Yeah, especially considering how expensive uh, those kind of deals are. I mean, oh, yeah. streaming yep. streaming all those uh, different leagues, it, is, yep. it isn't cheap to pay for, for being able to stream those. No. Um, so I think that kind of is in line. I think f- for our sports streaming package here, that is with. So here we have something similar. The the kind of big sports channel um, in the US is ESPN. Here it's TSN. Um, and the TSN Go or TSN Direct, they have two offerings. It's always a. Those TV channels always make it slightly more confusing than necessary. I think it's called TSN Direct, and that's also twenty five bucks a month for streaming all the different sports. And they also have the apps for for all the different um, uh, platforms: iOS, TVOS, and then you can stream in the browser. So I feel like twenty five seems to be outside of the US kind of the default. I think it's a bit cheaper in the US now with ESPN. It's pretty reasonable. I mean, twenty five dollars a month is reasonable, and I think this. This means I officially will never watch TV again <laughs> because the only like live TV I would ever watch is sport. And now if I can get an HD stream over the internet, why would I ever connect a cable to the TV from the antenna? Yeah. So this is interesting. I don't know. It sort of represents a good and interesting shift forward in uh in viewing technology. Yeah, I think I think it's great to hear that like it's not just going to be like the typical like Netflix shows it's also going to be like sports which you're right i think a lot of people do keep a tv around and do keep uh, cable tv around because of that so it will be interesting but like you say it's probably going to require a bit of a shift in like people's connectivity i guess like there has to there will definitely be noticeable that more people are not using it so yeah it will be interesting to see what's happening here it's even if if we would sign up with uh telus which is kind of one of the larger isps here if we would sign up with them for their 4k offering they would uh, uh serve because everything is fiber here even your tv comes over fiber so they're they're using the fiber that's why they, i think that's one of the reasons why they're over provisioning yeah our networks can't handle that yeah, that's that's why our uh, uh, network or our internet line is over provisioned. So we're paying for three hundred, three hundred, but we're getting three hundred thirty, and they over provision all the ah, uh, because that thirty is what you'd need for a four K stream. That's exactly it. 
So they're just ah, over-provisioning over all the lines to, to allow for um, you using a 4K stream and still having the 300 you pay for, which I think is, first of all, pretty fair, but also mm-hmm. a good way of um, for building everything around your one infrastructure investment because everything goes over fiber. Everyone benefits from fiber. If you watch TV, you get 4K TV. If you use the internet, you have a fiber connection, which is faster, lower latencies, and it's pretty good. Sounds it, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure everyone was hoping to hear about Australian network connectivity today. It's a good <laughs> thing we got, we got that topic covered. Um, I think it tied in nicely with the, with the whole... Uh with the internet problems. And, <laughs> and it's mm. realistically, it's not going to be the last time we're talking about Australian internet. It's now when I'm not oh, there no. anymore. I mean, in general, I feel like everyone in tech kind of likes talking about uh, the very average internet uh, problems in, in Australia. It seems to be kind of like the, mm. the, like how British people really like talking about how bad their weather is. I feel like Australians <laughs> do like to talk about how bad the internet is. And it's a lot yeah, easier. On- like it's also known by people who are outside of Australia. Like, oh, well, that sucks. You have pretty bad net- network connectivity. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like people know that Australia is a bit worse off. Yeah, definitely not our strong point. For my own mental health, it's a lot easier to talk about this now when we're actually in a place with decent internet again. Yeah, so just make Zach's mental health go down. I mean, it's it's mostly. I mean, this show is kind of like a uh, sales event for for Vancouver anyway, so I feel like it fits quite. It fits right in. Oh, I was going to say it's a therapy session for our problems, but. Sure, if that's how you want to look at it, sales <laughs> event for Vancouver. Well, well sure. maybe my 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 problem I'm trying to solve here is the lack of Zags in Vancouver. <laughs> Let me graduate first. <laughs> okay. Just enroll in sixteen universities. <laughs> All right. So some follow up. I mentioned that on when we recorded last Sunday, my phone had just started playing up in that the SIM card was constantly disconnecting somehow from the phone like i would go uh, i'd get yep. the no sim messages every every hour or so and i'd have to either restart the phone or take out the sim tray and put it back in and everything was golden again uh later that night it got increasingly worse like every five minutes i would have to do that until i just gave up and accepted that my phone was saying there was no sim went to the the vodafone store the next day which is the carrier i am with here in australia and got to replace some sim card and all was good so the guy at the store was like, oh, yeah, it's great to just replace the SIM every few years now that it's a couple of years old. I'm like, okay, sure, I didn't know that. But uh, apparently these SIM cards wear out, even though they shouldn't be moving. Um, but yeah, problem fixed. So my phone is not broken. I don't need to go and buy an iPhone SE, which was definitely my plan if anything was wrong with the 7. And I was a tad excited about that. But no, uh, my phone is fine. So yeah. happy days. That would have made for so much better of an episode if you would have had an iPhone SE. <laughs> yeah, no, was... it's like my SIM card was broken and now everything is fine. Mm. Cool story, Zach. Well, so boring, I'm sorry. That, there's another argument for eSIMs. Yes, that is absolutely true. But did the, did you actually figure out why it was like what why the old SIM card would have like acted up? Uh, apparently the connection just went, like the the actual SIM chip part of it 
just wears over time is what I was told. I spoke to a friend who works at a carrier as well. And he's like, yeah, that, that happens from time to time. Okay, fair enough. I've never heard of this happening. And I know people who've kept SIM cards way longer than two years. But, yeah. you know, maybe or maybe it's not related to the time I took it in the water <laughs> all those months ago. <laughs> months ago? I thought this was years ago. Month, it was years ago, but months ago applies too. It's just any yeah. date in the past is also days ago. <laughs> 14 months ago is both months ago and yeah, a year why, ago. Why speak clearly? It's, people will understand <laughs> us, right? Um, I'm Australian. We're very ambiguous. Do you, do you ever swap your SIM card when you're, mov- uh, when you're, when you're moving again? <laughs> yeah. Uh, when you're traveling? No. So since I moved to this carrier, their roaming is so good that I have probably not even taken the SIM card out. I've not swapped the okay. SIM card. Because that can happen, right? If you have like yeah, yeah, fingers on your on the contacts and then oxidization takes care of the rest. But if you're not even swapping it, I, I wouldn't know. Yeah. And this is probably the longest I've gone without ever taking a SIM card out of the phone. Well, th- there you found your problem. <laughs> Got to swap your SIM card more often. Hmm. Yeah, Got to show it some more love. But speaking of that, uh, I th- I th- think I sent you that on an uh, iMessage a few days ago that um, GeekSky now has eSIM support. Yep, yep. Um, it's pretty cool. Which I think is, I mean, you s- you instantly had to uh, talk about how great your roaming is with Vodafone. Um, but I thought it was pretty cool. It's really good and super convenient. But anyway, so, how much would you pay Sky? for one month of uh, US data? 150 bucks, oh. but I could use the full amount of data like that I would get at home and I wouldn't have to worry about buying a SIM and topping it up. And if it works out slightly more expensive, I'm fine with that. It's just super convenient. I can keep all my SMSs, my two-factor codes. It sounds it's like great. you've been having this talk uh, like many, many times before. Like You've had a deep defensive line already lined up there. Well, I have had this discussion in the past. I've also <laughs> not gone away for a month in a very, very long time. The last time I did that, I didn't even have a phone. I was so young. So all my <laughs> trips are like a week. Uh, and if you're only going for a week, it actually works out cheaper. Yeah. So it's it's good. Yeah. But eSIM is uh, an alternative solution f- for that, I think. Um, I mean, GeekSky, I-, I agree. It's a bit it's a bit pricey. But, What's the price? Um, I think it, de- it depends on the country you're traveling to. So if you look at... I can just bring it up now. It's... So we actually have the correct pricing. Um, See, so- I, th- I think we worked out that it would have been the same $150 for me to use a normal month's worth of data on GigaSky as it would be to have just paid the roaming with Vodafone. So to a point, it's a, it's a quite a beneficial to, to roam. That's how you pronounce it. GigaSky. GigaSky. Because, Kai, when you say it, it sounds like you say GigaSky. Gig, like, I yeah. guess, like gigabyte. Or gigabit, and then sky like, like 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 the thing, the thing you currently don't see in Vancouver because it's overcast. Well, the sky is gray, right? Can you see palm trees though? Yep, they they're still on the okay. ground. Yeah, they're still it's on the, the ground. Important bit. Um, so they oh, what they don't take them up for the winter and <laughs> shovel them away. It, it looked like that for a while because they had those weird. It looked like bags around them, but turns out they're just to water them. I thought they at least kinda... that's what they're telling us. <laughs> See, I mean, it's a valid question because we do that with cricket pitches here. They go away for the winter, get watered and fed. I, I think half of our audience had no idea what you just said. Uh, am I half? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you mean you take away your cricket pitch? Over the winter, 
you take. Can you first explain what a cricket a, pitch is, or maybe first explain what cricket? It's is. a round patch of grass. I got that part, but how whoa, do you whoa, take whoa, it away? Whoa, 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 whoa. The it's pitch not round. is not the pitch is not the round part. No, do you what? think you picked the whole freaking field? You can't do that. Ah. Okay, uh, do we need an explanation? Here? Well, I I I appear to need so one. cricket is a game played on a circular field. Uh, the game is similar to baseball, but the field it's played on is quite different. It also and takes two weeks. Which which sounds exciting. It can take up to five days to finish a game. It's amazing. It's riveting. Once you get to that, like, fifth day, it's so exciting. <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway, but the pitch is the the long rectangular patch of grass in the middle of the field. And if you're at a... Uh, the big fields often have multiple pitches, so they might have, like, between five and eight lined up all next to each other. Really? Anyway, this is a very carefully curated patch of grass like i'm talking multiple people's full-time jobs to take care of a few pitches that a stadium might have that sounds like well-invested time absolutely absolutely the pitch can make or break a match it's a very important (laughs) part of the game i know i sound crazy but trust me cricket is amazing i i tend Um, to prefer sports where the players matter but i i also appreciate that you're really into grass i think you should just go and watch it for five days and then tell us what you think about it (laughs) Yes, reserve your judgment for 40 hours of watching. Okay, so when when you visit us in Vancouver, we can try to see if there's a cricket match on somewhere, and then we watch it and you explain what's happening. Cool, there will not be a cricket match on, but cool. Anyways, so then you pick the grass up, is that what you're saying? Well, so they can uh, sort of put grass over the top of it during winter and they play like footy and stuff, but often if it's a big ground, like... Uh, the MCG or whatever, they will either move the... uh, You can't do this at the MCG. You can do this at certain grounds in Sydney. But uh, let's just say they take out the... They take up the pitch... Like, they dig up the pitches. They take them to a place where they can store them for the winter. Keep them carefully curated. And then when it's time to play cricket again, they get wheeled back into the stadium and they get laid down on the grass. And... Wow. It's careful business. All right, uh, this just turned into this week in Weird Things About Australia podcast. Mm, Internet Australian and sport. apparently cricket pitches that are being... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I had no idea this is happening. I know that they're really carefully created and they look quite mm. good, I guess, but I had no idea you picked them up. I didn't, even, I didn't even know they were real grass. I thought they were like turf or something. Yeah, that's the cheap one, right? The practice ones, yeah. Well, if you're going to like your local your local place to I don't know, your local park to play cricket, that's just a block of cement with some fake grass over the top of it. But if you're talking about Melbourne Cricket Ground or the Sydney Cricket Ground, they have proper grass pitches. Okay, yeah, because in the in the in the local ones, it was always annoying because you had this perfectly green grass at least for uh, two weeks of a year before it was too hot mm. and everything turned into brown mush <laughs> mush. Not mush. Mush brown. implies it's raining, okay? Yeah, brown, brown, soily, whatever, uh, desert. What do you call that? Stop being mean, all right? Grass in Australia. Tell us about this uh, um, eSIM. Yeah, and then, but it was like, whenever whenever you run over the, the grass and then you hit one of those cricket pitches, apparently, uh, it was really hard and uncomfortable to run on. Yes, yeah, because that's cement and that would be... And you if, know, just a, if you play something time, like but... we played Ultimate Frisbee and if you would... Uh, like Ooh, trying to dive would for, not for this, you don't want to jump onto that part where it's just cement with with turf on top. 
Anyway, so- it's interesting though because I think there's there's a bit of overlap between like caring deeply about the the more geekier things in sport, like how pitches are cared for, and being interested in tech because you just kind of have to be a bit geeky. Like, yeah, there's some overlap I mean, there. It's maybe I would like the botanical parts of cricket. I don't know. Maybe I would even <laughs> like the. <laughs> Maybe I would even like the game part. Uh, it just didn't seem very appealing so far, but I'm sure you'll you'll try to change my mind on that. Well, next time you're back in Australia, we'll go to a match, and then we can record a whole podcast on how you think. I mean, we can we can go to a match here. Do they play cricket in Canada? There there are matches here. I mean, it's it's also like a British colony, so I would assume we find one somewhere. Cool. Yeah, I wouldn't hold my breath. <laughs> I'm I'm confident. We've seen American football in Sydney. I'm sure we can find cricket in, in yeah, Vancouver. There was like five people playing American football in Sydney. No, we, we watched like a game. Like a oh, local yeah, you're game. right. But that was not a local game. It was people actually flying over from the US to play against the Sydney team. Really? Mm. Well, they were not very good. <laughs> anyway, um, Geeks Guy, all right. uh, Sim Prices. Yeah. Um, Back to nerd stuff. Cool. <laughs> this is a tech podcast after all. Um... They have, uh, for most, so as I said, it, it kind of depends on the area, but most areas that you could use it in, they have, uh, three groups of plans. One is a one day plan, one is a 15 day plan, and then they have a 30 day plan. The one day one is 300 megabyte for $10, which is not great, but I guess if you're going somewhere and you don't have any other way of roaming with your carrier, it might be a decent option. $10 is probably something you can get over. Paying, it's really easy because if you have an iPhone XS or a XR, you can uh, directly load that into your eSIM and then it's basically or active for a day. Pardon? Tennis Max, too. Or Tennis Max, yeah. Any of the tennis. Uh, now we're talking about tennis. This really is a sport. Show. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> um. Anyway, so the one day plan, not great, but it is quite nice. So if you buy that, it loads your eSIM, and after twenty four hours, it just invalidates the eSIM again. Um. So it's quite convenient if if you need need to have three hundred megabyte for a day. Then they have the more appealing plans are kind of starting when you go into the fifteen day range. Because for 15 days, you can select between 500 megabyte, 1 gig, and 2 gig at $15, $20, and $30. Still not cheap, but kind of becomes more competitive. At least when you the have... Pri- prices are reason- Those prices are reasonable if you are traveling. Yeah. Uh, but you would just... It's more your phone is, at that point, something that you have if you need, not something you're using as normal. Like, you're not going to stream Spotify or look at too many maps if yeah. you're on a 500 megabyte plan or, or even a gigabyte plan. I mean, maps is probably fine if you use Apple Maps, um, mm. but at least in the apps, in the browser, you're probably blowing through a lot more data. Um, I mean, they're reasonable. Ideally, if you travel, you should spend less time on your phone anyway. <laughs> uh, so there, there's an encouragement to actually enjoy where you're going. Um, and then they have a 30-day plan, which is 5 gigs for, for $50. And I think overall, they're, they're, all of them are not cheap. But I like the idea of if you go somewhere and for either your, your carrier doesn't have roaming there or your roaming isn't great, or you're even just going somewhere like if, if we would go out, I don't know, into a hike that's really far out and we don't want to rely on potentially only using our one carrier, you can even have that as a backup carrier option. 
you can just add that because they can then roam in all networks in the US, for example. So you can you can roam in AT&T and I think Verizon or Sprint or T-Mobile or whatever else they're roaming with. But they're usually having roaming agreements with multiple carriers in the same area. So I think it, it is definitely not cheap, but I like the concept. And if they get some more competition, I think that would be a really nice way of, instead of paying your carrier for roaming, uh, being able to still use your SIM card, still use your, your phone number and don't mess up your iMessage and all of those things, still being able to be called while you're there um, and then just add some data or even some some local minutes if you need to through something like this. Yeah, definitely. I do think it's really cool. Like I, as much as I joke around about how good uh, my carrier's roaming is, uh, I think this is a really nice backup solution and it's a good uh, a good use of eSIM as well to have the option to yeah select from all these places and how much data you'd like my idea initially what i thought i would do is ideally my local carrier getting eSIM support and i would use that as my primary sim and then kind of add sim cards as i travel but i kind of like the the reverse i think a lot better that my, i just have the physical slot is occupied by my sim card that will not go out or in so no chance of losing losing it or doing anything to it because that that was always a bit awkward when when i traveled i had like my sim card in my wallet and i was always afraid i would lose it uh also obviously awkward if you have anything that uses sms for two-factor um so potentially to have your main sim always in your phone then use eSIM as you travel especially as more carriers and prepaid carriers supporting that would be quite a convenient way to just load up the sim card uh, before you get onto the plane, and then by the time you land, you're just connecting to your to your uh, roaming network with whatever plan you selected. And after you're done, you don't have to don't have to figure out what to do with a SIM card. You didn't have to pay for the SIM card, which is nice. Um, it's just all dealt with, and you're back back at home on your on your primary SIM card. I, I kind of like that as a as a way of dealing with data and and um, roaming while while traveling at least i like the idea we'll see how it actually works when we get there no so i just think it's not too expensive those plans that you just mentioned but i think the plans are weird right i mean one day yes you could go on a business trip to a country i guess but realistically would you really like places yeah, yeah you could go from canada to, to the us that's like a business trip for one day if you're in australia you don't go anywhere for a day if you're in europe you can continue using your local sim card because you can roam in all countries on on the one carrier um, can you do that on all of them is that a thing that i think the eu made something about yeah roaming has to be but they were always really really crappy about that and yeah, was always it might not, not be great. actually yeah. working out it was always like yeah you can do it but only you only have to do it on certain plans, or yeah, it might you only have like one percent of your home data, and there were always some weird restrictions. I don't know if they yeah. all actually Anyways, gone now. The one day plan sort of makes sense, but then I think the one up was fifteen days. Yeah, that's weird. Who goes for a vacation for six, fifteen days? You go two weeks, I think, like fourteen days. So you waste one day. Uh, or you go shorter, like a long weekend. But I think that they would even target people who are traveling for a week. Like if you were going to to WWDC for a week. Yeah, yeah but I don't know why you wouldn't provide like a five-day one. Or I a mean, seven first day of all, they, they have no interest in in offering exactly the plan I know, but want. it doesn't, it, this doesn't feel like it really fits people who would travel 
who would want this? It's I more they agree. set the co- they set the plans for the convenience for themselves. No, because like, n- not really. Not because nice round numbers. That's all I'm saying. But what's the alternative? Your current alternative is a 30 day SIM card that you would buy somewhere locally, right? Right. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. That's true. So having any flexibility is already a huge, huge advantage over over going into a local store and getting a local SIM card. Um, second of all. I, if it I is. would like, go, I don't say that this is bad. I think it's it's really good plans, but I just think the numbers were a bit weird. But I also, like, if I, I would say I'm more like of a perfectionist, and I think they're just not nice around numbers. I mean, if if you're so much of a perfectionist and you're going somewhere seven days, buy seven one day plans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not really gonna solve my problem. But it's also, I don't know, if if I go somewhere for seven days, it's not really that. First of all. You can still use that data when you get home anyway. It's still active of a plan. Second of all, I don't like having... If I go somewhere for a week, I don't want to have a five-day plan. I wouldn't want to have to think about, wait, what is the second I activated? What's the second I deactivated? Uh, On my way to the airport, uh, my data runs out, and now I'm in a situation where I can get access to my boarding pass or something silly. I don't mind it being like a week pass... So I mean, the conclusion is that they should have an eight-day pass. I mean, if they want to have, I would say an eight-day pass makes more sense if people go for one-week uh, vacations, just to have mm, not have this kind of cutoff at either half day into your vacation or or during the last day. Um, but I think just having those tiers kind of makes sense. I mean, most people will go um, like a day is kind of like your day trip. I think that makes sense. Uh, and then based on their pricing, the next, like if two days, you're, for two days, you pay the same as for 15 days. So it's not like there's no, a I huge know, jump. I know, that's the thing. Like it was mostly, I don't care if I'm playing about the price. I mostly complain about the, I guess, non-run numbers. I mean, the prices are round. Yeah, that's true. That's true. If you run for prices, sure. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't really see the problem. I would just like to point out a very reasonable uh, prepaid plan that we have here in Australia. If you were, if you were visiting this, this fine country, uh, this sort of continues to the theme of... I mean, I know we spoke badly about our fixed internet, but our mobile internet's pretty good. It is. Um, it is. It's, we, we have an Optus plan that's $2 a day, and that gives you 500 megabytes of data a day. And if you're visiting the country, it doesn't support eSIM at the moment. It, it, you do, it does require a physical SIM. But if you were visiting the country, how good is that as a tourist? Two bucks a day and you've it got 500 really megabytes. Good. That's like perfectly poised at tourists. And I think it, I think it's a pretty, pretty neat plan. Like you only pay for the days you're here. And like if you're a tourist, 500 megs a day, that's a lot of data. So, you know, I think that's uh, something to consider if you ever visit yeah. Australia. It is it is a really good plan. I used it as a backup for a while for when we had uh, bad internet at home. So I could just do, like, if internet was out for two days, I could just use that plan for those days as a as a backup internet source. Um, because it's 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 kind of nice. You only pay the two days, uh, $2 per day if you're actually using it. So you can you can just have it on on Monday and not use it on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and have it on on Friday again. It's it's quite nice as a kind of both as a backup solution for Australian internet uh, connectivity and as a tourist, it's really good. Yeah, I think if that if that ever supported eSIM, and I don't see why it wouldn't. In it might take a year, but eventually it will. I think that's a really killer plan if you're visiting I this agree. country. Like 
I would I would happily pay that wherever I was traveling to, two dollars a day to get five hundred megabytes of data yeah, anywhere in the world. I think that's a it's a really competitive option. Yeah, but I think especially with eSIM, it makes it just that everything your main SIM is still there, uh, face. Yep. FaceTime and iMessage isn't getting isn't getting confused. You can still have incoming text messages, and they're usually free of at least all plans I've ever had. So I think it is like being able to have more than one one SIM for people that do travel. It makes makes a huge huge difference and allows for a lot of new new configurations of travel data plans that weren't possible before. Yeah, and not having to physically go to a carrier store when you get somewhere is also a huge advantage. It is. Like, I know I've said that, uh, you know, one of the benefits of just just paying up for $5 a day when I travel is that I don't have to worry about any of the, the things that you have to worry about when you normally have to, to buy a, a local SIM card, such as making your first stop out of the airport a carrier store. Um, in if this is if eSIM is a thing, you don't have to worry about it. Why don't you just pay for Amazon Prime for one day? Okay, I'm assuming you're traveling to the US. <laughs> and just order a SIM card to your hotel and it's there while you <sighs> get there. It's it's perfect. I'm not sure if you're trying to make fun of me or if you actually No, approve. this is a okay. good way of dealing with your Wait, problem. Wait, did you actually do that, Kai? We have done this a few times. Yeah. Why Look would at you, you not? modern modern hippie people? It's great. <laughs> I, well, I don't we, remember. Why would you go into a store and interact with people and maybe maybe they what do they know like what all right let me rephrase that i don't remember the last time we haven't done that <laughs> wow but it's also i don't know especially in the u.s i always feel like if i go into like an at&t store there's a at least 25 percent chance that they're saying oh you're not an american you don't have a u.s driver's license we can't give you a sim card that's one one that's a 25% chance then you have another 25% chance that they're saying all right here's your sim card uh that will be $25 please I'm like $25 for a sim card and then you have the option that they're trying to to trick you into signing up for a uh a contract i i and just don't how wanna... like how do you even find a sim card store without having internet roaming it's called preparation oh yeah that's how do you org- how do you order from Amazon? I order from card? home in the co- in the comfort of my own home. Oh, before yeah. you leave. Okay. Mm. Well, this is that plan assumes you're planned. Yeah, the thing is that I tend to get lost in cities if I don't have a map, but I will be able to tell a taxi driver or an Uber driver to go to my hotel. Uh, the Uber thing scratch that because I can't book an Uber. But yeah, I would be able to tell a taxi driver to go to my hotel, and then I have my SIM card there waiting for me. Why can't you book an Uber? Because I don't have my SIM card yet. Aren't you listening, Zach? Oh, right. You're, you're the, the scenario. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. This is a hypothetical scenario. Right. Makes sense. I, I thought you were going to come out with some like, oh, I got blocked from using Uber because I punched a drive. No. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. But, yeah, I don't yeah. think that would be more than a story for... Yeah, I was too nice to the drivers, so I, I'm no longer... Welcome. So they, they banned me from the service. Yeah. You know, Uber, yeah. they, didn't, they don't really have a reputation for being great people, so I didn't really fit in there. Fair enough. This is why you get a Lyft. <laughs> Lyft is just such a better name as well. Yeah. And know, it it's like, so that's what sense. you'd say. I- if, you, if your mate was giving you a Lyft somewhere, you'd say... You're giving me a lift, and now it's like you get a lift. It kind of doesn't. It kind of doesn't pass my naming, my naming uh, rules. Oh, not this again. Anyway, let's let's go through the next tech topic. 
No, it's not. It's not the next tech topic. It's actually a follow up. Uh, what are we like? Forty minutes into the show. What is this? Been recording for eighty, but yeah, I don't know. We've been this. recording for yeah, one minute fifteen. One hour, <laughs> one hour and fifteen minutes. No, I'm I'm pretty sure it's one one minute and fifteen seconds. Yeah, time that is was a by very quick minute. <laughs> um, so I don't know if we can add chapter markers that are that precise. We've gone through like ten topics. <laughs> so we have a we have a follow up here. Uh, and it's a screenshot sack. Do you want to tell us what this is? Yeah. Look, I don't think this is really worth more than 30 seconds of your time, dear listener. So I'm just going to say my Mac finally prompted me to update. Last night, I was doing some work. Mac was plugged in. And I got a little notification from the settings app. Updates available. Do you want to restart to install these updates now or try tonight? So then I decided to go and eat dinner. And I pressed the restart button and my Mac did its thing. And I now have a Mac that is up to date on Mojave 10.14.1. Because I think I said last week that I was going to let it go yep. as long as as long as long it took to get the prompt. Uh, but I got the prompt, so happy days. I got my prompt, I think, three days ago or uh, seven days after I've actually done the update. It prompted me too. Amazing. Yep. So when, I, fest. so when I selected that and said, yes, I want to do the update, it said, you're already up to date. Woo! That was a quick update. Yeah, software is hard. Yep, said that last week, and it's still true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on, because that topic really did not deserve even the, the minute that I spent talking about it. <laughs> so that that doubled our total show length by now. Mm, apparently. It's the second minute of the show. So we have an emoji update, because we haven't spoken about emoji in a while, and I remember we used to uh, talk about the least used emoji, and like, I just want to go and double check here. But I feel like my brain is filtering out these tweets because I'm still following the least used emoji bot and it's still tweeting once a day. But for some reason, it's not registering when I see these tweets. Anyway, an update is that the input symbol for Latin capital letters is still the least used emoji. And that has been the case for 110 days as we record. Sad face. But we have other emoji news. So because there were new emojis came across this article actually got sent to us um the bold person emoji woozy face and smiling face with three hearts are the most discussed new emojis of ios 12.1 i i see why this first one is discussed because i can't tell if it's just a bold face emoji or if it's a baby like what is this supposed to be it's apparently uh, a bold person okay i'm gonna make it larger wait a second there we go. Okay, I found them. Um, you're right. This is not a baby. I thought it was. But now when I'm looking at the big ones, they're actually just bold face emojis. Okay. So I'm looking at the list um, that you sent us, Zach, um, or that um, we get sent to us. And I'm just looking at all the new ones. And what I really like is the one that is called... It's like a puppy face one. Um, what's the name of it? It is called Pleading Face. Oh, is that the one with the big eyes with yeah, the water so in them? It's so cute. <laughs> yeah, this is like a puppy, puppy emoji. It is, yeah. They should make it into a puppy. I can totally see these emojis on my Mac now when you're sending them. It's great. Yeah, technology. It's easy. I'm actually really surprised that the, the party face emoji isn't more popular. The little person with the party popper in the mouth and the party hat on and the confetti going everywhere. I think that's a really cool one. I've used it many, many times. What? Yeah. Why is the foot so popular? I do agree. 
with one of the the tweets in this article that the most disturbing new emojis are the leg and the tooth. Now the tooth, eh, two teeth are kind of creepy when they're when they're on their own, but the leg one is weird. It's just the just a leg, not attached to a body. But you can add so it's many like- puns for it, though. <laughs> like I can't come up with any at the moment, but. <laughs> Good job, Marlin. We won the leg, like in in this leg in this <laughs> wow. leg of Amazing Race. Um, wow. We're going to Paris, like those type of things. There are lots of things you can use a leg emoji for. We've got to become one of like those people who, before they compose the message, they accept the automatic emoji recommendations yeah. for each word that's been typed. So every time you're meant to say leg, you're now going to send the emoji. Yeah, I won't do that. <laughs> And while we're on the topic of stupid things that you send your friends in iMessage, uh, this week, one of the days, I think it was Thursday, I opened up the App Store and the top featured story, uh, and this was the top featured story for me, but may not have been the top featured story for you because uh, the App Store is now personalized, um, was coffee stickers. So I downloaded a bunch of coffee sticker packs and there's some really cool ones. So I've really enjoyed sending people coffee sticker packs thingies and i know i'm like two years late to the game on sticker packs but hey there's actually some cool ones out there this one's really cool actually you just send it to us yep it's like a um like a long macchiato it's nice yep piccolo as they would be called here and no it's called long macchiato in australia nah, piccolo piccolo is different piccolo is that's, smaller. i would say that's a piccolo though how, how big do you expect this to be that's like a 120 mil cup. Okay, yeah, that's a piccolo. I thought it's like a, what would I think it is? Like 250. Wait, or is that really short? Like, it, it's hard to tell because it's, it's just a sticker, but I would imagine that's one. Anyway, I could be wrong. I'd be considering that there is some type of latte art on top of it. I would definitely side with Marlin. Piccolo wouldn't have this kind of shape on top. Really? That's true. That's true. Getting the wrong piccolos. I'll send you a photo of the next piccolo I get. Okay. Anyway, anyway, it doesn't matter. Coffee. Kai's now Googling for piccolo. <laughs> huh. Really? Oh, wow. Apparently there's a character. Yeah, I saw yeah, that. that is a- yeah, I, I also saw the green character from Dragon Ball. Can you search for Long Macchiato? Hmm. I think Zach is right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'd expect. Like these, these images, that's what I'd expect a, a piccolo to be. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's only coffee. No, I shouldn't say that. Coffee is great. Coffee is amazing. Yeah, but long macchiato. Okay, long macchiato topped up. Search for that. <laughs> I think Zach. I I think Zach won. They're very similar, anyway. Uh, a piccolo just has a little bit more milk. Yeah. I think I think Zach was right. Yeah, maybe Zach was right. But yeah, sticker packs. They are great for some very few things. That's like the conclusion. Sending uh, pictures of piccolos. Yes. There are very few that I've found that I like, but this is one of them. All right. I mean, hey, let's just, uh, it's just started a discussion here. So it's kind of exciting. <laughs> uh, about our coffee identification challenges. <laughs> I recognized the latte. It wasn't a latte. What? This was, where's the latte? Bottom. Well, I would call it a, no, that would, no, this is not a latte. In Australia, this would be a flat white, and in mm. Canada, it would be a cappuccino. Mm. It's in a cup. Wait, so coffee in a cup with a lot of milk is just a cappuccino in Canada? <sighs> it's complicated, Zach. Oh, okay. 
gonna have to have a crash course before i visit yeah it, it depends on where you go and if the people who are working there have ever been to australia uh no matter what we should go we should definitely do a coffee tour when you're here cool uh we flat whites are way stronger here than in in australia in europe isn't a flat white double shot so i wonder if that's the same in i mean in general flat white America, is not okay. really common i mean flat white is australian right i think it comes from the uk mm. originally but now it's more common than australia I thought it was Australian. Well, what do I know? <laughs> um, it's basically a latte with... I think here it's basically like a latte, but with way less milk. Mm. It's like a double shot latte. Okay. No, but you don't have two shots. You you have one shot, but okay, less milk. It's like a s- double strength latte. Yeah, you could say it that way, or you can say latte with less milk. No, because I think it's a very fine <laughs> ratio. If you would buy a latte here, they would make it in a bigger cup. If you buy a flat white, you can only get it in a smaller cup. It's the same in Australia. If you buy a large flat white, it's actually just a latte. Yeah, I don't get anyone who orders a large flat white. It's weird. Anything that's not a small flat white is not a flat white. I know you can order that, but it's questionable about what you meant. But then again, if you, if like some places also have different understanding of what a small flat white is. True. The so, places that put less milk than they would put in a latte, doing it right. <laughs> yep. Anyway, we should definitely do a coffee tour. I think uh, we have a few that we expect you to enjoy a lot. Cool. Our weird fascination with coffee is interesting. <laughs> Moving on. Um, I added something that I thought was interesting into our show notes, but then Zach wrote, this is dumb and I don't think it's worth our attention. So, moving on. I feel like now we have to talk about it. You made me sound like a monster. Yeah, you you, you, you can't mention it and say, now we're moving on. That makes no sense. Well, I'm just reading what Zach says. <laughs> the dot point uh, contains the word foldable, which precedes the word phone. All right, uh, I can just Hence summarize this comment. really quickly and then we're moving on from this. <laughs> so, right, uh, th- there were two companies, uh, one Chinese, one uh, first, just to be able to say we're the first that had a foldable phone, and then Samsung a day or two later. Uh, they didn't really announce it, they just showed that they can now do foldable phones. Um, Samsung showed it in an incredibly dark room, so you couldn't see the phone. Uh, someone snapped a picture of Samsung doing a rehearsal where they still had the lights on, Phone looked dumb. Entire idea is at the moment not working at all. Uh, I don't see see a point of it. I'm all for improving technology, and it might be useful at some point. But just showing things that are possible for no reason but saying first feels a bit like saying first on a YouTube comment. Yep, I would agree. And this is why I hope we will not be covering CES either, because it's just filled with these kind of gimmicks, and like 1% of them are ever relevant or useful in any way, shape, or form. But I mean, it's a different thing, right? If you if you show, if I don't know, if Samsung would show it as a LED panel or an OLED panel uh, development as a thing that they are now capable of doing, it's one thing. But calling it a phone, but clearly it not being useful as a phone yet, just feels a bit weird. That's the thing. Like it's been rumored for a while that there might be a foldable phone, but I feel like there's nothing really. Like I don't see a reason why you would really have a foldable phone at this point. Because you can make it twice as thick. Yeah, but <laughs> if you need to fold your phone, it's too big. Yeah. Yeah, and then it's a tablet, right? And then 
you sort of want to use those two as two separate devices, or you just make phone calls from your tablet. Like I don't know why you need to fold it. I mean, so that's why I want to put it in here because it felt like it wasn't really. Like, I guess it's interesting that they announced it, or like at least they. It's not interesting, but they did announce it. It's definitely and interesting. I guess um, barely that. It's they showed. I just yeah, I just think it's weird that it's something that I don't really know if people want, and I think. Um, something at CES would be slightly different because like they introduce many like very high tech cars or like supercars or like things that are sort of concepts but if they would be possible to make in reality it would be something people wants to buy, want to buy and it's like a cool concept that 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 you're testing basically but i'm not sure if this is actually actually a necessary thing to develop in the first place i mean it sounds like a thing samsung would do All right, so did anyone check out the new shiny Apple products in the store? I was so close, um, but I have a good excuse. It did rain today. <laughs> I realized that's not excuse? a good excuse at all. You know, you're not going to be able to look at that phone for like two months, right? You've had multiple days. But I plan to go today, and today, unfortunately, it rained. I will actually say that we walked through the through the rain to get to the Apple store to check out the iPad. Just saying. I thought we would would record right. tomorrow. This has been in the calendar for a week. I I had an iMac delivered most days this week, um, so I had to be home for that. Obviously, two out of seven. Well, good point. Well, the the, the iPad wasn't actually available. No, seven days. It was two days. It was the se the seventh. It was available. The eighth, and today is the ninth. Oh I, man, you guys are super behind. <laughs> Not by a week though. It's it's a day. So um, on the seventh, I had an iMac delivered. On the eighth, I had an iMac delivered. And on the ninth, which is today, uh, it was raining. So that's my excuse. But tell us about the new shiny devices, Zach. So I only checked out the iPad because I completely forgot that there was a new MacBook Air. Um, what was it even out on Wednesday? Wait, what? You went to the Apple Store and you didn't have a look at the new. MacBook? I've been to the Apple Store multiple times since Wednesday, and I've forgotten to check out the MacBook Air. What Did you look the, at the Mac, Mini? the Mac Mini? It's the same. Why would I look at it? What? Come on! There were three things announced, and you missed, you missed 66% of those. You remember, <laughs> you remember when we said, Dear, uh, we, we, we kind of don't really care about the iPad, but the Mac Mini and the MacBook Air look nice? And you went yeah, there and you the only looked at the iPad? iPad is the only thing that's really shiny new. Like, well, I, I should have checked out the the MacBook Air. That that was an oversight. Yes. But oh well, the Mac Mini. It looks the same. It's the same size. It's just space gray. But like, what am I going to do? Sit there and run Geekbench? <laughs> I mean, I could. I mean, but you, you could. It's been done before. You could do the Geekbench. You can hear if it makes any noise. You can look at the new cooling system. Yeah, you can, you have can a look, look at all the ports. Oh man, you have not been to an Apple store at lunchtime if you think you can hear for noise. Just go in there and say, can everyone please be quiet for a minute? I'm, I'm <laughs> trying to hear the fan. Shh, Turns out, no please. noise at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and all the new shiny ports, and you can feel how, how warm it gets, and then just assume how, how, how much fan noise there might be. You can even use <laughs> SMC uh, to check the fan speed. You could. But this is Australia. I'm just going to assume that Mac fans are running at high constantly. <laughs> All right, tell us about the iPad. iPad, that thing doesn't have a fan, so you can't you can't blame me for not checking for fan noise on the <laughs> iPad. Um, well, I can't blame you for anything because I didn't go and check them out because it was raining. So I, I you've done you've done only thirty three percent, as Martin uh, pointed out, but it's still a lot more than we did. So 
Which, when you consider there are three of us in this podcast, <laughs> I have carried my weight. <laughs> so, so, obviously, your assumption was each person looks at one device. Mm. And let's not communicate which ones we looked at. <laughs> Actually, to be fair, I did say I was going to check out the iPads. Yeah. But anyway, um, it's cool. Like, if you're an iPad person, this is this is a nice hardware update. It's thin. It's light. The new keyboard case thing is kind of cool. Um, like, iOS hasn't changed with the exception of the swipe up gesture. And that kind of sucks. Like iOS is still the iPad's limiting factor. Um, but the new, the new pencil is really nice. I have, I have two questions already. Yeah, sure. Um, the main one is how is the setup to display the iPads in the Apple stores? Uh, so there were four, uh, so two of the big ones Mm -hmm. and two of the small ones. They were just, on one of those, like, Johnny Ive rectangular tables. Mm-hmm. Uh, along the long edge, there was the two uh, the two small ones plus one of the big ones. And then on the end, like the top end, there was a big one. Uh, and then the other two spaces along that, two, maybe three, two. Two spaces along that table were max, maybe three. I don't know, but they were max. So they were close to the max. And did all of them have uh, the pencil? They all had a pencil and they all had a case. Oh, really? Oh, so they were yeah. all standing, so they were all propped like, up. Yeah, all standing. In the keyboard. Yep, all in the keyboard case. So I actually uh, had to spend the first. It took a while to work it, like longer than I care to admit, to work out how to take the iPad out of the case. It turns out that the magnets are just super strong, and yeah, I was trying I not to break things. But review that I watched while doing homework. Uh, it was very strong <laughs> magnet. Yeah, very, like very. Sh- I thought, oh, the iPad doesn't come out of the case very easily, but no, it's just like you need a uh, you need to give it a bit of a. A uh, bit of force to take it out. Um, so that was—it's an interesting setup. They're positioning it as laptops. And where the pencil was, the pencil attached to the iPad, or did it lay in like a tray next to it? Of course, they would take the opportunity to put it on the iPad. Pencil attached to the iPad magnetically, so they're all in the case. Uh, like land, like the screen was landscape orientation, like uh, wider than tall. So the pencil sat nicely on top of the iPad. All right, uh, and, and they that didn't mechanism have, is really cool. And they didn't have any any place next to the iPads anymore to to place no. that. Okay. Did you try? There was still the him? old or the not old, but the iPad No Pro on display on another separate table next to a Mac, um, so and like that still had the pencil in the in the little cup container thing. Did you actually pick it up and like? Yeah. Did you shake it to check if the pencil falls off easily by any chance? Didn't do that. But the pencil, the magnet on the pencil is actually quite strong. So I don't think that would be a problem. Okay. Because I did see a video of someone like flipping it around. So it was spinning on top of the iPad. Okay. Interesting. Do you know what Uh, I mean? You could probably do that. But yeah, like so it would around the center point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. But that's why I was thinking maybe it's not that strong. It's It's pretty strong. If the pencil is attached to the iPad and you drag it in to the left or the right, if it's laying landscape, would it come off really easily in those directions? And it only has a good magnetic attachment away from the device. Do you know what I I mean? I just pulled, yeah, I know what you mean. I didn't try that. I just pulled it straight off, like up in the air. So what do you think if you would put it into your backpack, would it, would the pencil stay on? Or do you think there would be enough friction for it to then just fall off and lay somewhere in your bag? I think it's very possible that it would detach if, the, uh, okay. If it was the only thing in your bag, no. But if there was, I don't know, like a water bottle brushing up against it okay. that 
caught it the right like it's not like impossible to move to remove the thing from the iPad but like, but definitely prob- a lot less strong than the case because from everything I've seen from the case I would think that would almost be impossible to come off in a bag while the- yeah I mean you've got a, a you've got like a very thin pencil that yeah is is definitely a lot easier to remove than the case yeah because then the case has so many more magnets as well yeah which really helps all right but like all around I, I would be pretty happy I'd be pretty comfortable putting that in a bag uh, with the pencil attached, I could. I wouldn't worry that I would lose the pencil. I mean, it might detach, but it probably wouldn't in a lot of scenarios. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I was like, I thought it was a really good solution to have the the magnetic clip. Okay. Clip air quotes, but um, yeah, I think it's pretty good. So, did this make you want to have an iPad? No, I mean, I like I said, I bought a non-pro iPad earlier this year for the pencil, and I still really like that. Uh, I throw it in my bag and. I don't attach the pencil to anything, but I can find the pencil in my bag. And I don't know, I, it doesn't make me want to spend $1,000 to upgrade for the uh, writing experience that I get from an iPad. Um, but it is cool. Like if I was an iPad person, I'd be very excited about it. Um, I, I did, I sort of just played around with iOS as I would my like the iPad that I use frequently and just sort of put apps side by side and you know, f- change between apps and try all the new swiping gestures. And again, iOS feels like it has always felt on the iPad. It's a little bit slow. It's yeah. not super efficient for doing a lot of things. Uh, and I feel like that's a really big limiting factor. And yeah. Yeah. I just feel like people who are, there are still people who are really enjoying using the iPad and many people want to use it as their primary device. And I think they're sort of happy with the previous iPad and the iOS that it was running. So I think for those people, it would still be a great step up, even if the software didn't update. But I also think yeah, definitely. this the fact that Apple did sort of make this more of a pro device makes it seem like they might have some rethinking or might have done some rethinking for iOS 13. Definitely agree. But it's also, I, I mean, in general, you you probably, if, if we're looking at that, we're looking at prices. Uh, they are definitely more expensive, and you probably by now have a good idea whether you can do, do the work you're doing on that device or not. If you can't, and you just want a shiny new device, that's fine, right? You you like you like using iPads for for only consumption tasks, and you want a really nice device for that, and you like buying yourself shiny new new technology. That's that's fine. And if you if you actually get a lot of work done on that device because the type of work you're doing suits that device type and you're not running into into constraints constantly, that's fine too. I don't really, you know, I feel like we're we've had iPads for long enough that now we have a good idea whether whatever we're doing with our computing devices and that includes phone and your computers and your your iPads, we probably have a good idea of whether it is useful for us or not. And if it is, now you have a better device to do that with. And if it's not, then you know, yep. Then you use whatever you 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 can do those things with at the moment. It's a little bit like the Apple Watch Series Four. So if you're if you're an Apple Watch person, if you like the Apple Watch, yep, it, you should upgrade from a Series Three. It's not it's not more capable. You can't do more with this, or with the exception of like ECG, but like the the yep. software, like watchOS itself is not more capable. It's slightly faster and that's nice. But if you're a watch person, you're going to like the upgrade. If you're an yep. iPad person and you know if you're an iPad person because you can get work done on an iPad, then you're going to like this upgrade regardless of whether Apple improved iOS or not. And they didn't, but you're still going to enjoy this update. Yep. 
Yeah, that's that's a good comparison. And I mean, maybe iOS 13 will change some of that. Uh, and I I would probably expect, assuming that there will be an iOS uh, an iPad focus, it will probably improve some of the the workflows that c- people that currently get a lot of work done on their iPads um, for them to be more efficient and to enjoy the work they're doing more. And then they will probably also uh, add some functionality for people that currently cannot get their work done on an iPad that after iOS 13 might be able to. Yeah, basically, if you like the iPad and you know how to, and you you like using iPad for work, then you're going to like this update. Mm. But don't if the iPad didn't work for you previously, I don't think this is the iPad that's going to start working for you as a as a device that yeah. you're using. I mean, yeah. yeah. And I think, yeah, I, I feel like a lot of people in our industry sometimes struggle with there being new devices that don't work for them. And I feel like there's a lot of unnecessary... I mean, some people are really... I, I've just looked on Twitter over the last few days and <laughs> I didn't realize how much hatred there seems to go both ways from people that work on iPads against people that don't like iPads and and to reverse. Um so I mean we we've done this on 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 the podcast and in private too more jokingly that we need a real computer but that uh, f- I think for all of th- us that was more of a joking thing but there seem to be some people that are really really annoyed about Apple's iPads. Um yeah I guess it's just a way of like the thing is that I understand why people get a bit unhappy if there are new iPads coming out, but there aren't new Macs, because that would mean that Apple is putting more focus on i on the iPad and iOS. And I think many people have been worried that that's going to take over macOS. But this time around, I felt like it was very much like Apple put very much focus on both platforms and like almost like more than I expected on, on Mac uh, in the latest event. I feel like it was almost more of a... It was basically a 50-50 Mac event and iPad event. And I think usually that's an event that tend to be dedicated to iPads only. So I think that was a big step. And I think well, that made... Well, we usually get Macs in. Yeah, but I, I feel like they were quite big things and things that like the Air and the Mac Mini were things that people were worried that Apple forgot about and that Apple would discontinue. And they got a lot of stage time as well. Yeah, exactly. And I feel but like I, this I, sort of proved that it's not... Like they're not moving in that direction at this moment. So I think if both people, if people on both sides ended up getting what they wanted, I felt like this that's that it would be it wouldn't be as bad as other years. Uh, I think people wouldn't be as upset about the new iPad, but it seems like people still are. But it's also, I mean, it's not really that. I mean, people were surprised about the Mac announcements because they were forgotten for so long. You know, it's not really that people are like, "What are you talking about? You get a new." macbook air every year like there were no new macbook airs for a really long time and there were no new uh uh mac minis for years so i do think this is i it, know it but is, you shouldn't be upset about that i think this should be seen as a positive thing that but it, people, that apple wants to continue working on i'm not saying it. and i think that's what happened with uh macbooks as well earlier it feels like for a while there weren't many new macbooks and now Apple is continuously updating this, even if it has a touch bar which everyone isn't happy with. There is still some movement and some updates going on. But I, I don't think that's that. I, I think it's more. It's to me, it seems more like a course correction of Apple clearly thinking that the industry would either go in a different direction or that uh, Macs or that iPads potentially will replace Macs to to a larger percentage than they did so far. And I feel like this event. 
seem to show more that Apple realized that there are enough people that care about a Mac Mini that it's worth it to update it. And I mean, that was a significant update, right? Despite industrial design not really changing, internally, basically everything changed from components to to cooling system to uh, the entire layout and ports and everything else. Um, so I, I do, f- but it it's still not an update that would have needed uh, 1,500 days of continuous work to get there. It was clearly that Apple decided at some point to not update the, the Mac Mini for a while and then oh, realized no. that there seemed to be enough of a demand to continuously serve those customers. Yeah. And maybe, maybe like, I think what you're hinting at is that, um, yes, they updated it now, but maybe they still hope that people will move over to iPads and this is not something that will continue. I'm not they, saying that at all. Okay, okay. It's, I just feel more, like I just feel like you shouldn't necessarily... It's You don't have to... <sighs> Just because they made a mistake and now they're course correcting, but that's not I don't what feel I'm saying like... at all. Okay. My my point is, it feels like a course correction. Yeah. I feel Apple thought. But is that we would... something you should be un- no, unsatisfied about? I feel like. What are you talking about? No, but th- th- that's my point. I feel like um, the fact that Apple now released those, even if that was a forgotten device and they thought it would never release a new one, I think the fact that they released a Mac, uh, uh, a MacBook Air and a Mac Mini means that they are realizing that those are devices people need, and that's why. That's just why. I thought that people wouldn't be as unsatisfied this year around when they released a new iPad because there was also a new Macs released. Yeah, this is not a criticism at all. This is, if anything, more of a, a sign that I do feel Apple realized that, first of all, Macs are, there is a good audience for Macs despite only selling, I think it sells a quarter of what uh, uh, iPads sell. Um I mean, we saw that multiple times, right? The the, the kind of strange announcement that there will be new Mac Pros was not a thing. That's not usually how Apple announces stuff. This is also not a way Apple likes to announce things. It was more that the the industry and people that do use Macs and people that rely on Macs. I mean, as developers, realistically, do we really need a Mac Pro? Not really. I think there are there are certain professions that have higher uh, hardware requirements than we do as like mobile developers. I mean, mobile developers are probably still happy to have uh, fast, faster uh, processors and fast SSDs to get their Xcode projects compiled faster. But realistically, we can do that on on all of Apple's uh, MacBooks at the moment. But there are certain industries like there was. Um, like the movie industry, for example, was was hit multiple times with a with a move to Final Cut Ten that a lot of people didn't like, um, partially because it was new and different, partially because it, the first version of Final Cut Ten was quite limited, um, and then not bringing out new uh, new pro computers for a long time because if you if you have like a edit movie editing setup. Um, and you want to edit in 4K or 8K, it is it is really difficult to do that in a good way on a 2013 uh, MacBook Pro. You uh, Mac Pro, even on a Mac Pro, it was you just need a lot of you, you need a beefy GPU, you need the fastest CPU as possible, and on those kind of big uh, 8K projects, you're also happy to upgrade every 
every three months, four months for a 10% improvement in, in GPU and CPU because that saves you hours. And those hours are worth a lot more than whatever the cost is of the machine. So I feel like that is an industry that was clearly not happy and therefore had a shift away. I've, I've known from multiple studios that moved away from Apple's ecosystem and from, from Final Cut uh, to Adobe's and Avid's products because... They felt underserved by Apple for their pro needs. And I do think that Apple notes that, um, especially with their relationships to the movie industry, I do think Apple felt that. And everything related to 3D. Um, you know, if you have like larger 3D things and Apple themselves pushing a lot of AR and now VR recently in, in some of the demos, you you just didn't have a Mac that could actually run any of it. And I do think those industries then moved to to alternative platforms where where they had the hardware they they needed to get their job done it was actually a hard requirement you know you can't do vr development on on a macbook pro even the fullest macbook pro won't be enough to render whatever the 144 frames or something you need to to then display your your content it's just not not enough and if if you have the options to not do your job or moving to Windows, I mean, even I would pick Windows at that point. Yeah, I think this goes to show that people are going to pick the best tool for the job. Yep. And ultimately, what we're talking about here is getting work done. And whether that's work on a Mac or work on an iPad, people who are using these computers as tools to get a job done are going to be passionate about the products that they're using and they're going to be passionate about the products they prefer to use or the products they like to use. And if you use a Mac in a professional setting to get work done and Apple don't seem to be caring too much about updating that product, then you're going to be concerned with that and you're going to express this concern. Mm -hmm. And the same goes if you use the iPad. You want It's reassuring to know that Apple are putting as much effort as they are into getting the hardware as good as it can be. And that's, I'm sure, a thing that you like and the thing that makes you happy to see that, oh, yes, they are updating the product. They are giving it some love. And yeah, it's just, it's very interesting to see uh, if you, if you're getting work done on whether that be an iPad or whether that be a Mac, um, how, how passionate people are about these products. What I don't yeah. like to see though, is people jumping through hoops so that they can use a tool that isn't the best for the job. And that usually applies to people using iPads when they really should be using Macs, but they jump through hoops to use the iPad. Yeah, it's not it's you don't see many people with Macs holding only holding the screen <laughs> trying to use their fingers to touch the UI element. Sure. Yeah. No, but I I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean it is it is sort of interesting an interesting phenomenon to see yeah. people jumping onto the iPad who really are people who probably shouldn't who don't the iPad isn't the best tool for them. I don't know. Like, if, if it is the best tool for you, then power to you. But if it's not, I don't see why people are jumping through hoops so much. I guess that might be why Mac users could be seen as being more frustrated with the iPad users in this sense. Because I feel like if you're a Mac user and you see other people who are trying to stretch how people are using, how they're using their own iPad, and it basically ends up being like using using a Mac, I think that's very frustrating to see because there are perfect Mac devices to be used in those in the way that the people who are stretching the use of the use case of the iPads are trying to use the iPads, and I think 
that would be a frustrating thing to see. If you are one of those people who are really hoping for a Mac to come out and a Mac update to come out, it's not very great to see people who are trying to use an iPad, which as a device that might already be existing uh, in, in the form of a Mac. And I think that's what I found to be frustrating, that I see that people just try to stretch the way they're using iPads. And I think that's fine. Like many people, some people like iOS better and I sort of understand that people have preferences like that. It's the same as having Mac versus Windows, but I think it's less of a less of a gap between Mac and iOS. But I think I think it's just it's probably going to cause more people to be a bit more upset at the iPad people rather than people being iPad users being upset at the Mac people. Yeah, and look for all the joking around we do about the Mac or the iPad being better than the other one. I think really you should just be using the tool that is best for the job you're trying to accomplish. And if that's a Mac, great. If that's an iPad, fantastic. I, I think it's also important that you that you're enjoying the the task, even if it might not be the the most efficient way. You know, sometimes sometimes you take the scenic route to get your destination. Um if if that's But that changes the equation then. If you're doing it for enjoyment that's okay but don't fool yourself into thinking that yeah say for example the ipad is better than the mac just because you enjoy using it more it yeah, may yeah. be less capable but if you can admit that and just say well i'm using it because i enjoy it that's yeah. fine but don't pretend that the ipad is just as capable as the mac if the task is taking you one and a half two times as long on the yeah. ipad yeah 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 you don't take the scenic round because you pretend it's way quicker to get there that way right yeah, but I, I I do think taking the scenic route is sometimes also a valid option. It's absolutely valid, but yeah, just don't fool yourself. Like I could imagine to have the iPad, have an iPad too, but use it to get away. Like I would still have a MacBook, right? Because they're different tasks, and I could be would be very happy using the iPad for certain things. But at the moment, I feel like the time I spend on things that iPad is good for is so limited, so it's not worth the price for me. But I think I'm not trying to stretch it to say I'm going to I'm gonna do my full-time job on, uh, on an iPad because of that. But I also think a lot of the kind of frustration of people that have either of the platforms as their main platforms is coming from the limitations being the exact reverse. You know, on, on the iPad... We have this amazing hardware, beautiful device, incredibly fast processor, incredibly fast GPU, just amazing screen. Everything is perfect from a hardware perspective. And then the software is still a limiting factor. I think on macOS for, I don't know how many years, um, but macOS is in a pretty good state. Most things that are being added now I, I guess kind of nice to have, but we don't really have like huge improvements anymore or really huge desires where I think that I would really want something to change in the system. I think everyone is pretty happy with where the software is, but then the frustration comes from there not being new hardware that uses the software we love. So I feel like it's it's kind of interesting that we have the exact opposite on both platforms. And I think that that also gets people a bit more annoyed that one one side has those amazing hardware and Apple clearly put so much effort into that. Um, while on the other side, we, we already have the system where th that does all the work and we know how to get all the work done. We want to get uh, done on the machine and all, I mean get all the enjoyment out of them that we want to get out of them we just need them to be updated more frequently even just bumped and then that not happening I think that's that's kind of aiding that there is this kind of opposite 
uh, a limitation thing going on that might aid with the frustration between the two. Yep, definitely. Yeah, so that uh, that's, uh, that summarizes our first impression of the iPad, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we love the iPad. Isn't that what we started here? How are we allowed to talk about the iPad, though? <laughs> I I mean, I actually went to Apple.com to to configure one, looked at the price. I was like, eh, I'm not that excited about it. But <laughs> it, it is, I mean, if 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 I would find one somewhere, I would be quite happy to, to play with it for a while. But I'm not excited enough to pay pay asking price for it. Fair enough. Yeah, next week Kai's going to have two iPads done here instead of two iMacs. <laughs> Surprise! I don't need a 27-inch iMac anymore. So, Marlon, you've written in the show notes, you noticed something yesterday. <laughs> Curious. So this is being Doesn't hint- happen too often, so this is big news. <laughs> this is being hinted at earlier when Kai was busy talking about his iMac. I mentioned that uh, it reminded me of something and I want to say it. So, I don't know when this happened. Uh, I actually didn't notice it yesterday. Kai noticed it yesterday. But... Let's just say I'm happy that I didn't go with a more expensive Apple Watch. Um, because I have a really bad scratch on it. No. Yeah. It's really, it's actually really bad. And I have no idea when it got there, but it's sort, like I can actually feel it with my nail. It's right above the right side, com- like on the right side complication, basically the top complication. Mm-hmm. And it's like two, like two deep scratches next to each other. It almost looks like, a very hard zipper has been hitting it or something. It's, yeah, it's really unfortunate. So you don't know how it happened? No, I don't remember. Like, I feel like I might have hit it sometime. Like, because sometimes, I don't know. I, 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 like, sometimes I hit it against something by accident, but it wouldn't be something sharp that would put, like, two dents in it. It's, it's, it's really unfortunate. So now, every time I look at it, it's very hard not to see that. Oh. So that's not annoying, but I'm very happy that I didn't go with the golden watch um, because that would have been pretty expensive to fix and I would have wanted to fix it then. Now I think I'm just going to wait it out a year. Hopefully it's getting better as I wear it because I think sometimes if you have micro abrasions, they tend to sort of wear down a bit if you have any any problems. This doesn't look like something I will wear on. It doesn't look like it, no. To just wear down the whole watch eventually until it's all even? No, it doesn't look (laughs) it doesn't look good. But in the same time I know that like I have been like doing a lot of things around the house. I've been moving a lot of boxes and stuff around. So I guess like this year wouldn't have been a good time in general to spend more money on a watch because I was more like active while wearing my watch in those in that sense so but you would have had the the stronger glass so maybe you wouldn't have had the scratch no that's just um the stronger glass is just what is it called um it's not more scratch resistant i think it's just uh more oh no you're right it is less impact you you might have cracked it yeah because this looks like quite the hit, so you might have cracked it instead. It's, that's what I think is weird. I don't remember what happened. I don't feel like it would happen just from hitting a like zipper on my jacket or something. So I I don't know. It's very frustrating. But I I gotta look for YouTube videos of people trying to scratch the what is it called sapphire sapphire. Yeah. Uh, have you seen any videos of anyone trying to scratch the sapphire on the Apple Watch? No. I, I wanna... don't think... I mean, the noise... In theory, it should be very tough to scratch. Yeah, I just hate watching those videos because, <laughs> like, the noise of them trying to scratch those things is horrible. 
because I've seen a person that had a scratch on their Sapphire Apple Watch, I think it was the, maybe it was a Series 2, I don't remember which one, but it was the uh, anti-glare coating that had the scratch. So the Sapphire under the coating was fine, but because the, the coating was scratched off, it looked virtually identical to to a scratch in the in the glass or in the sapphire so if if, Uh, it's not ideal either yeah if that's still the case then to me it wouldn't make a difference because for me it's basically my watch is either scratch free or completely broken um i don't really have a lot of nuance between the two um so even if i would have a scratch in the in the coating and technically it's not a scratch in my in my sapphire crystal it doesn't really matter if it looks like a scratch there's a scratch um so i would like to see i haven't i haven't looked because i didn't want to uh to get the uh the stainless apple watch but i should have a look and see if that actually is improved now with the coating and the scratch resistance of the coating fair enough all right the stuff we like list thing. It's back. Another week. What what should we call the segment? Should the we stuff call- we like list thing. It has a name. <laughs> I thought I thought maybe just what's good. Really? <laughs> what's oh, good? I I see where I got that from. Yeah. Uh, no, that would be an. I think that's cop- we would break some copyright infringement there. Don't take that. I don't think we would, but yeah, I think it's from the Good Place podcast. They ask what's good. Man, I like that. I was, I thought I came up with that today. I was like, "That's mm, so simple." Mm-mm, yeah. No, I didn't. I just plagiarized a different podcast. Really good podcast. How far in are you? In a good place, by the way. Seven or eight episodes, season one. That's maybe? really good. You almost done with season one. Hmm. You you're still enjoying it? Yeah, it's all right. Uh oh, entertaining. Uh oh. So what happened in the last episode? Let's not talk about this now. What? Okay. Let's not talk about it now. We we will have a, a section to talk about this in a future episode. Okay. All right. Let's do it next week. I'm I'm really excited to talk okay. about the good place. So, Maybe we so, have to. Right. I'll probably finish season one by. Yeah. Now. All right. So, so so if anyone doesn't want to have the good place season one spoiled next time they listen to this podcast, you should also go ahead and watch the good place. Mm, you have a week to watch the first season. Yeah. I will watch the first season again now when when I know <laughs> we talk about it. I'm yeah, super excited. It's it's a really good show. So, we will probably blow a spoiler horn later or something, but over honestly, please if you've never seen the show, don't listen that when we talk about it next time, but please watch the show. I feel really bad about assigning homework considering how reliable we are to actually do topics when we plan to do them. We're doing people a favor. I mean, it's a good show <laughs> to watch. It's not like we're telling them to read a bo- like a, a book like some other podcasts sometimes read and then they tell you, oh, this was actually not a good book. This is actually a really good show. Anyway, uh, all right, let's talk about it next week then. I'm excited. All right. You sound very excited. Marlon, what's, what are you adding to the list that isn't a list? To this week. Okay, I see you've the, done your homework. Kaya, yeah. maybe not. I, I have. I just he didn't write it, it anywhere. Secret. We have a document for a reason, but yeah. anyway. Yeah. Just saying, we have a document here, but... So, the stuff we like list thing. Um, I'm going to say something I've been using this week that I really like, but I didn't get it this week. Um, so, I'm picking my backpack, actually. It's been serving me really well. Um... I've been 
doing a lot of walking to work. So um, it's, it's been working really well to carry all my stuff with me. And this is an Incase backpack. Uh, Incase is quite a popular brand. They usually, they also make a lot of, um, lot of sleeves or covers for Macs, uh, which I would recommend. But the good thing with this backpack is that it actually has, uh, so the specific model is Incase I can backpack with, uh, Woolings? Woolings? I think that's how you pronounce it. Woolenex? Woolenex. That's probably it. Um, and yeah, this is a really cool backpack. Um, it fits a 15 inch MacBook. Um, the good thing with this is that it actually has like a separate laptop cover in the very back. And this makes it very stable for you to also wear on your back. So it's like a really comfortable, like snug fit. And because you carry the computer, I mean, I have a 13-inch computer, so it's not that heavy, but it adds some weight. But since you carry it so close to your back, it's actually going to be like you bar- you barely feel like you have it. Sometimes I stop halfway to work or back from work to actually make sure that I brought my computer with me. So that's how like little you feel it. So I really like that. Another thing is that it just has so many pockets, but it still feels quite small and snug. And it has those like really easy accessible pockets on the side. So like basically under the, what is it called? Uh, the bands? Straps. The, the straps. straps. Yeah, under the shoulder straps you have like, in the bottom of the shoulder straps you have basically like two pockets, one on each side that you can open very, open very easily. And this fits a lot of things. Like it even fits like, it's quite big. It fits a passport. So it's really good if you're traveling or if you just want to have your keys easy accessible. Like it's, it's, it's really good. And people can't really steal things from under your arms. Like it's, it's quite difficult. So it's a great backpack. And yeah, so that's my, uh, pick, uh, of the week. <laughs> uh, that's not the official name for this, but it would be perfect. That's also a good idea. We all call it different things. Do we have a lawyer? Cause we might be getting a call <laughs> after that. Okay. So this is my, this, that was my addition to the stuff we like thing list, list thing. <laughs> Very catchy. So, um, Kai, what are you adding to her? What, 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 what do you want to talk about? All right. So, what's good? iMac. Uh, no, uh, I, I figured I will talk about the iMac uh, probably enough by this point that I didn't want to pick that. I briefly considered it, but I thought not only will I talk about it today, I'll probably w- talk about it over the next few weeks. So I might as well pick something else uh, that uh, excites me. Or, I mean, so my pick, maybe I should start with that, um, is the Roborock S50, which is a smart vacuum cleaner. And it's actually the second generation of uh, the Chinese company Xiaomi's vacuum cleaner. So Xiaomi has this kind of, they have a basically an incubator for hardware technology companies. So Xiaomi, they're like, a, I think they're, I don't know, like the third or fourth largest uh, smartphone manufacturer in the world. Um, but they have this Mesia smart uh, program. So they have a lot of different smart, smart in, in air quotes, um, product in in their portfolio and a good chunk of that comes from their incubator program so whenever they see uh, promising uh, hardware tech startups uh, in china they offer them to to work from the xiaomi uh, incubator they help a lot with the um 
uh, hardware, like with the building of their hardware, making sure they're building them with plastics that actually last, making sure they use the right materials, make sure they have decent quality assurance, making sure they have good distribution throughout China, making sure they have all the electronics right, and kind of make those companies focus mostly on the actual product development itself. And usually what then happens is that Xiaomi sells it under their name, but the company itself, like the the uh, company that works in the incubator, has still a lot of freedom. So uh, the first project from from the company Roborock, I believe, was the Xiaomi vacuum uh, smart vacuum cleaner, and that one was a really good vacuum cleaner. We had that one in in Australia for a few years, and it was basically it was a bit what you would expect from from Xiaomi. Um, they basically. I mean, we already talked about uh, copyright on this episode. Um, they 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 borrowed the best ideas from from the other large um, smart vacuum cleaner companies. So I would say probably the two biggest one are um, iRobot with their Roomba series, and then Nito with the uh, I think they're calling them Botvac. And um, the biggest difference until quite recently was that the Nito ones had um, LiDAR on top. So they have basically like a spinning uh, LiDAR that would then map out the room and be very smart about the way they're they're, um, cleaning your room, while the Roombas were more following a random cleaning pattern. So the Roomba would just go straight, hit a wall. They had like a um, a sensor that would uh, then notice whether, whether the the vacuum cleaner hit hit something and then it would uh, turn between zero and um, 359 degrees and keep going. And over time, because it does it for a long time, it would on average clean every part of your um, house, apartment, whatever. Well, well, the Nitos had this kind of more sophisticated thing where they would actually map out your room and then only mop every place once. Um, and I was always kind of fan of, of the kind of more smart and algorithmic or smart and mapped way of, of cleaning because it felt a lot less stressful. Uh, we worked a lot from home, so it was nice when you're home to not have a thing that bounces around all the time. It kind of, I don't know, I, I think I like order too much to have a thing that seems to... Yeah, and I think what happens often if you have something like a Roomba is that uh, you may turn it on when you leave and you think it's going to clean your entire apartment and then it ends up being out of batteries stuck in a corner somewhere or stuck under a chair. Like sometimes it it's not as good as finding its way home if it needs battery and uh, yeah, it's noticeable. Yeah. But the Roombas used to have a better uh, suction power than, than the Nitos. Also, the Roombas were round, so it was really, really difficult for them to get stuck anywhere. The Nitos had a, I guess, a D-shape, so they were straight um, in the front and then kind of had a round round back. Um, the idea was, because they're, they're smarter and cleaning uh, with the more sophisticated algorithm, they would be able to follow along the walls better and then get better into the corners because corners are, by definition, not around. Um, so the D-shape kind of helped to get into those corners better. Um, however, because like software is not perfect and uh, apartments or houses are not perfect, um, that 
that worked well in theory, but that means sometimes when it was in a tricky situation, maybe with like a with a bar stool or like a chair in between, it would kind of wedge itself in and get stuck more often. So what Xiaomi then did with their Roborock, with their initial vacuum cleaner, was to to take the the round shape from a Roomba. They took the um, the suction motor from the Roomba. I think it's literally the same model that Roomba is using. So it had a way higher uh, suction power, I think like 2000 PA or something. Um, they used a lighter system similar to a Nito. Um, they used the exact um, um, brush style that the Nito is using. Um but added a side brush that I think the Roomba had. So it was basically, uh, it, it felt a bit from, from a feature set like a Frankenstein of picking the best features of both. But it really ended up being the best features of both. It was a really, really, really good uh, vacuum cleaner. The app is a bit weird um, because they have so many products. It's quite, they have kind of an app to control all of it. And every time you add a product, it um, basically downloads, I think, a JavaScript bundle that, then describes the, the UI. It's something, some type of plug plugin infrastructure they built themselves. Um, and when we bought it initially, it was only in Chinese, so that didn't really help us um, to to understand what what all the features are. But Google Translate helped us. But from then on, it was pretty nice. It even drew like an entire map of your if, of your place when you um, uh, at, that you could see live as the thing is is cleaning your apartment. So that was pretty cool. The second generation was to a large extent um, very similar. So that's the one I'm picking. Man, this is a long pick. Um, yeah, this should have been an episode. Um, so it was uh, to a large extent. It's it's very similar to the first generation. It does have um, a mopping feature. It's not really mopping. It's more of a wet sweep. Uh, but it's kind of nice. Another uh, thing you don't have to do yourself. And therefore, the, the filters they're using are also um, waterproof, so you can just wash them out. So they have you can select either having those or the HEPA filters that are paper, but therefore filtering better. Um, the bin is a bit larger. The battery lasts longer. The the, the um, it has more memory. So if you actually had a full clean, and you then uh, see the map of the your apartment or your your house, you can then select specific zones and say only clean in the bedroom. And then it just knows the way to the bedroom, goes to the bedroom, cleans the bedroom, goes back to the station. So that's really nice. In general, um, if it's, um, it, I think it can clean like 250 square meters. If it needs to clean more than that, it goes back, charges and continues where it left off. So overall, it's it's a really, really, really good um, vacuum cleaner if you want to have a vacuum cleaner. And I think, it's somewhere around $300, $400, which is about half of what the flagship uh, Nitos and Roombas cost. But I would say um, they're probably on par or better than, than the flagships for half the price. And by now they even speak uh, uh, English and they have a German module now and Spanish. And so if, if you want to use them in a language you can actually understand, you can now also get one in uh install the, the English module and use the thing in English. It's pretty good. Cool. <laughs> Man, I thought I took longer to talk about the backpack. That was a long time, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good backpack. And uh, 
Man, you backpack just really, is fine. You just nail your, your, your pick there. We thought you were talking about the vacuum cleaner. Uh, vacuum cleaner. And how can you talk about a vacuum cleaner without giving the entire historic background of the vacuum cleaner? I don't understand. And the company. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how this works. Anyway, Zach, um, do you have anything exciting you want to talk to us about for an hour or so? Or so? Look, I don't know if it's exci- as exciting as robot vacuum cleaners, but it was kind of exciting. Uh, so my thing to talk about for the thing that I like was a meetup that I went to this morning, actually, um, which I had to leave slightly early to to come back and record this podcast. But it was the Swift Peer Lab meetup, which is a uh, fairly, or the Sydney edition, it's a fairly new addition to the Sydney meetup community. Um run by uh, someone I know through the Cokehead meetup, uh, a guy named Jimmy. And it's basically a meetup where for, for Swift developers to go and sit and drink coffee and eat food and work on whatever they want to work on or talk about whatever they want to talk about to other Swift developers. And I think it's a really good idea. It's uh, run on a Saturday morning. It's weekly. Uh, I haven't been able to go before today. So it's actually the first um, the first weekend I was able to make it. And I really enjoyed the concept. Uh, I really and really enjoyed the meetup. So you know, spoke to some interesting people about interesting tech things and had a had a good time. So I'll definitely be back. And if you are a Swift developer living in Sydney or who can make it to uh, Surrey Hills on a Saturday morning, I definitely recommend checking out this uh, this Swift Peer Lab meetup. It was good fun. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. So is it always is it at the cafe? Yeah, it's at the same cafe every week, I believe. Um, so it's a it's a cafe in Surrey Hills. I don't remember the name off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, they have a big table and. Okay, I'm just thinking because Surrey Hill, I felt, I feel like most places in Surrey Hill tend to have quite small cafes. So like logistically. Yeah. How many people would it fit for the meetup? Do they have a like really strong cap? Uh, I think there's a limit of 10. Okay, people. that's not bad. Um, yeah. Because there's probably enough room for eight to fit comfortably. And if all 10 show, then I think we ended up grabbing another table, uh, and joining that to the end. But okay. And do they have cool. Wi Fi on the cafe? They do have Wi-Fi, yeah. So it's it's okay. perfectly suited for a meetup. Actually, they've got mm. Wi-Fi. They're happy for us to sit around and talk. They've got enough space for it. Um, so and they've got power if you need it. So that's all the things you need to do developer-y stuff awesome. at a meetup. Yeah. What's the name of the cafe? Uh, let me look it up. Uh, Auto Trading Co. Oh, O R T O. That does not sound like a cafe. Hmm. It's kind of nice. It's- that sounds uh, sounds exactly like what we plan to do here. Mm. Nice. I wasn't sure what to expect. Like, would it just be people sitting around quietly working on their own thing? Or would there be a discussion? And it, it was a good mix of the two. Yeah, um, that's awesome. I ended up speaking to people for most of it, I guess, just being the first time and trying to mm. get familiar yeah. with everyone. But How much time do you spend there? Uh, so, the meetup is scheduled from 10.30 to 1.30, so three hours. Uh, I could only stay for about two hours of that, though. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's funny. Like, I think this is something that Kai and I have been discussing for a while to, to actually start ourselves. And I think in Vancouver, that would be really good because we would really like to, like, get the community more, like, get a, uh, a very engaged community. And we would like to, and we would like to sort of help foster that. So, uh, this is pretty much exactly what we've been talking about. And here, uh, like, those are, that's why I'm asking, like, logistically how it works, because I'm a little bit concerned about finding a cafe that, allows like 10 15 people to sit there for a while um but i think yeah that's what i was thinking maybe it's good to rotate but that makes it hard for people to actually know where it is and always show up so it sounds like yeah, this, yeah. 
uh, yeah, this meetup has done a pretty good job in like establishing that. Yeah, it might be worth asking around some cafes and yeah. seeing if one yeah. would be happy to take. I mean, most cafes you'd think they'd love to have an extra ten or fifteen people in one morning a week or one morning a fortnight, whatever it might be. Um, yeah, I guess the like this place today it wasn't. Uh, super crowded like it wasn't like all the tables were in use so it, they were probably more than happy to have an extra eight people a week or whatever it might be um, but i guess if you're if you're looking at a busy cafe then they might not be happy with having eight people sitting around at a table that they could be yeah turning over faster so yeah i guess that's the problem like i always i'm very particular with my coffee so i want to mm. have in case you haven't noticed yeah so <laughs> I, I, I want to have like a very specific place and then they mm. tend to be quite busy um or be yeah. very artisanal and be like at like a smaller cafe that's like very mm. focused on making like high-end coffee um so yeah i'm still trying to figure out the logistical part of it but i really nice. want to do this maybe same. it could be a swift peel up which is like a thing yeah what does it's p how do you say it peer p-w-e-r peer yeah wait like you don't peer, pronounce like- the t there's no, there's no T. P double E R. Oh, because in the show notes you wrote P double E T. Oh, whoops, my bad. Typo. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, Peer Lab makes a lot more yeah. sense than Pete Lab. Peer Lab. Yeah, yeah, Pete Lab. I was like, what is that? Um, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> Sorry. Cool. I think that's a good pick. Yeah, we we yeah we probably wouldn't call it Swift, um, just because I I would invite Objective C developers to. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think. We can we can handle those those um, dinosaurs, old schoolers, yeah, dinosaurs, yeah. yeah. Even even people that write JavaScript might. Oh, just kidding. Not <laughs> those. <Yeah>. Native. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I got a bit worried. <laughs> no, no. React Native people are welcome, and then we convert them. That's that's fine. why I like the name the the name here. Xcoders for the meetup seems seems fair. As long as you can write your code in Xcode, but that excludes app coders. Uh, yeah, damn right. 